Today's podcast is sponsored by Jack Frost Big Boulder, ski areas where the snow comes first. Today is Thursday, January 30th. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning in the news this morning. 11 people were hospitalized after a massive fire in Upper Marion Township on Wednesday night. The fire broke out at 1020 at the Kingswood Apartments located along the 200 block of Byron Place in King of Prussia. Five people, five residents, huh. and, I'm sorry, five residents and five officers, uh, along with a paramedic, were transported to the hospital for smoke inhalation. Yeah, uh, had friends that lived there. Oh. Um, that was like a big place at, uh, off campus when people went to Cabrini. Uh, they would live in That's Kingswood. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, okay. it's, uh, it's, yeah, just off of Weedley, I believe. Uh, in King of Prussia, right? Yeah. Yeah, the officers and paramedics rushed into the burning building to rescue people from the flames. So those first responders arrived before firefighters. Um, so they ran into the building to try to rescue people. Residents said that they needed help because it was almost impossible to get out through the hallways. So people were actually jumping from their balconies to flee the fire. Mm. Officials said all the residents made it out of the building. The cause of the fire remains under investigation, and the Red Cross has stepped in. They're assisting displaced residents. Police said a four-year-old boy was shot and killed during a home invasion in North Philadelphia early Thursday. Crime scene investigators and detectives are collecting evidence at the home on Lambert Street near West Susquehanna Avenue. The 911 call was placed shortly after 1 a.m. for a home invasion robbery. Police say a father had been home with his four-year-old and a younger child while the mother was at work. When police arrived, the father was downstairs holding the younger child. The four-year-old was found upstairs in a bedroom, unconscious and unresponsive. He was rushed to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. The boy's father is being interviewed by police as investigators work to learn more about the latest case of a child being shot. Police are looking for surveillance video in the area. Dozens of people camped out for hours in the cold in Berks County to get a year's worth of free Chick-fil-A. The chain is opening a new restaurant at 5th Street and Mulberg, uh, in Mulberg Township Thursday morning. It's a Chick-fil-A tradition since 2003. Whether it's the overnight campout or new events like their red carpet rollout, free food goes to the first 100 people and it's for a year's worth of food. And it always works. It always gets a lot of press. The first 100 promotion registration began at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. Only residents living in certain parts of Pennsylvania were eligible for the free food. Chick-fil-A says it's a chance for local franchise owners and restaurant team members to get to know new customers. Does that equate to a sandwich like a day and a soda, or is it unlimited food? I don't think it's going to be it's unlimited. Not, yeah, oh, wait a minute. How do you get registered for this? Uh, you have to – you either – so they do these two events. One is – camp out. I mean, there's people out there right now in tents. So right. they, they've camped out the first 100 people. And then uh, and I guess they can start lining up uh, at 6 o'clock on Wednesday for the, the Thursday opening. Okay, so, alright, that's okay. What if you showed up you know, a little bit before that. Were they going to shuffle you off and say, no, you can't get in line yet? I don't know. But I, wouldn't wait, I, wait. I mean, because then, if it's that important to people, they'll start waiting out on Monday, just sitting in their car in the parking lot, uh, right, and then, waiting to run over and be the first. But, you know, the whole first person in line thing dang. can get a little risky. Yeah. It does get course. the press, though. But if oh, the kids yeah, don't mind time. sleeping in the car pressed, and uh, I think sure. you're fine. Bring the pets, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh my God! Sit the first, there for your free years uh, worth of food. The first person in line at car line, like when uh, you pick your kid up from school, is like. Oh, sometimes yeah. I drive by in the middle of the. I'm not kidding you. In the middle of the day, and somebody's in line, and I'm like, "There's still an hour and a half left of school." What, what is that about? What are you doing? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, well, in it's fairness, not, that line is a pain in the ass to get in and out of at the end. And all the parents are there at the same time. It's not going to. I don't think it's worth an hour and a half of your time. Uh, right. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I know. I am not kidding I you. I, you. If you're waiting an hour and a half, 
I know. You're waiting an hour and a half on the front side instead of on the back side. Yes. Right? Even if you're no last in line, you're yeah. not going to wait an hour and a half to get out well, of that, the parking lot. But that's lot. my trick. Now. I go after Carline has started. I'm in Carline for five minutes and yeah. Chase is in my car and we're home. And well, isn't there something to be said? If you if you leave your child at the school, won't somebody eventually drive that kid home? <laughs> They're not going to leave them there alone. I guarantee you that. But, right. uh, I, Kathy, I tend to think that those people are just... Killing time, you know. It's like I mean, I I'd rather just sit here and the only email time, and yeah. I mean, listen, I I am known to show up a little bit early and take a, a little nap. Um, while yeah, I wait a little for, bottle of wine. <laughs> no, not no. wine, not wine. But I absolutely have napped. I have to set I'm an reading alarm, my book, so, so I wake up. But um, I still don't get there at two o'clock. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it's nuts. All right, let's do sports this morning. The Sixers are back in action tonight and traveling to Atlanta to play the Hawks, who are in last place in the Eastern Conference and have only 12 wins on the season. The Sixers have won two straight and are in sixth place in the East, ten and a half games behind the Milwaukee Bucks, but only two and a half games behind the Toronto Raptors, who are in second place. Tip-off in Atlanta is at 7.30. In her first public comments since the death of her husband, Kobe, and daughter, Gianna, Vanessa Bryant said her family is completely devastated and thanked the millions of fans who have shown support during what she called a horrific time. She also announced the formation of a fund to help support other families uh, who were affected by the crash. In an Instagram post with a photo of the entire family, Bryant wrote, there aren't enough words to describe our pain right now. I take comfort in knowing that Kobe and Gigi both knew that they were so deeply loved. We were so incredibly blessed to have them in our lives. I wish they were here with us forever. Uh, they are. They were a beautiful blessing taken from us too soon. And finally, the Flyers, who have been off for more than a week, will return to the ice tomorrow night with a game in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. And that's what I have for you this morning. All right. Thank you very much, Kathy. Just perusing the information about some guests that we're going to have on the program. It's going to be an exciting day today. Uh, first, fairly early, we're going to talk to our buddy Michael Giacchino, yeah, who is calling us from London today. So we actually get him earlier than usual because uh, normally he's on he's in L.A. and we talk to him, you know, late in the program. So a little bit earlier this. He time went and right. saw the uh, the premiere of Birds of Prey yesterday too. So maybe we can ask him about that new movie, The Heart. Very cool, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be in the early seven o'clock hour, which is very cool. And he's uh, he's working on the Batman. He's doing the music for that. Dear God, we also have Chris Hardwick in our studio today. Awesome. Chris Hardwick is at Helium uh, tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, and he is uh, he's in town for a while, so it should be pretty cool, and those shows, I would imagine, are going to sell out. And he's absolutely in our wheelhouse with what he's a big fan of. Yeah, so he'll stop by in the 8 o'clock hour, and also we're going to have a comedian, Bruce Bruce, who's been huh. here before now. He's at uh, Punchline uh, tonight, so... Uh, and then through the weekend as well. So a lot going on. Then on top of that, we have the money to give away easy money. We're getting close to wrapping that up. Monday's the last day. Don't miss your opportunities. I'm looking at a stack of other things that we have to give away yeah. as well. So it's a good day. It's a yeah. good day already. So we'll have your chance to win some stuff, talk to some cool people. Um, we'll just have a good time. Yes. If that's okay with you. D- damn right. That's right. So <laughs> we'll take a break, come back in a second. I have another really interesting, stupid question. Really? Been, I like these. Been coming across some good ones lately. This one is uh, very unique, so I'll uh, I'll pose that question to you with a gift, and then we'll get into the entertainment stories, of which there are plenty today. So stay put. We'll be back in a moment. Like what you hear? You can see it, too. Check out Preston and Steve's Daily Rush at PrestonandSteve.com. 
Hi, I'm Steven Singer. Yep, that's me, the I Hate Steven Singer guy. People ask me all the time, what does this mean, I Hate Steven Singer? Well, maybe this is the reason. At my store, we don't play pricing games. We wouldn't treat our friends like that. We only have one price. One place, one price. Come to my store and feel the difference. You'll have fun buying a diamond for somebody you love. Steven Singer Jewelers. One place, one price. 888-I-HATE-STEVEN-SINGER. Online, IHateStevenSinger.com. And our flagship store at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. And his name is Michael Giacchino. I figured we'd dive right in. Yeah. To the musical We moment. need a little pop. Friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. His name is Michael Giacchino. All right, let's get him on. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. <laughs> well, you, you know, so listen. Bad. There you go. That's better. He Thank respects you. another fellow composer, Preston. What a busy year this uh, gentleman is in the middle of. I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off a few yeah. little little projects he's in the middle of. Uh, Doctor Strange two. Oh man. The Batman, the next Jurassic Park film, uh, Spider, the next Spider Man film, and something that hasn't been announced as of yet. So it's just a little bit of work on his plate. Uh, calling us from the UK this morning, please give some love to Mr. Michael Jacquino. Yeah. A friend of the show. Hello. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I got to say, it's kind of cool sitting here in London and looking out the window by hearing people talk about Cherry Hill. <laughs> It's really, it's pretty awesome. Honestly, in London, uh, we are the envy of all the Brits because we have such close access to Cherry Hill. So that's yes. (laughs) (laughs) So are you are you currently recording music for the Batman in London? Well, I might be. Okay. (laughs) All right. I don't know which which parts of these things are top secret and not. Well, that begs that begs. Go ahead. Technically, well, I was going to say technically, I'm here for the Baftas for for Jojo Rabbit. Yes. Okay. Um, so 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 I'm going to that on Sunday, but I figured since I'm here, maybe there's some you know who knows. We'll see. Yeah. Well, to that to that point, a number of award nominations, and uh, obviously uh, for Jojo Rabbit, uh, which has been a, a really cool project for you. I know you're you're a fan yeah. of uh, Taika Waititi's uh, work and. Uh, and I, I, reading an interview uh, with you about prepping for that film and, and for all the films uh, that you you um, you don't read a script. You kind of dive in and, and try to go with what viscerally you're feeling the music should be. And then right. at a certain point, you see if it lines up with what you're seeing on screen and what the story is. And then tweaking begins. Would that be accurate? Yeah, that that is that's very correct. Except for it was a little different on Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit was one of those films I did read the script ahead of time. Right. I, nor, I normally don't. You know, the, the the advantage I have over actors is I get to see the film before I choose to work on it. Whereas, you know, I, I always feel badly for actors. It's such a you know, you're rolling the dice each time. You're like, well, this could be great. I'm going to do this, and then you just never know how it's going to turn out. Uh, but at least I have the advantage of seeing it beforehand, so I can I can be a little choosier. But this was one of those ones where I just love Taika's work so much. I was like, "Yep, send me the script. I will uh, let me read it." And I also knew, even no matter what, I was just going to do it, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he, he's so freaking good, uh, and and such a different take on things. But I think you and and knowing you the way we do and your history, I think out of the gate you were probably more fo- focused towards filmmaking with the music music following suit. And so you, you speak in a cinematic language and that helps you with your composing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like all those years of filmmaking that I did growing up, most of it in my parents' basement, 
you know, that's the cliche. Yes. Nerds are in the basement, but <laughs> it, 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 this, that's why cliches are there. Yes, because um, they're true. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I literally uh, spent my entire life making films, so I feel like I can communicate with all of these filmmakers in a way that most people who just do music can't, you know. And it's one of the things I try to teach whenever I go in and do classes and things. I try to tell them, the kids always ask, well, what can I do to, to do what you're doing? And I'm like, well, if you want to be a film composer... All right, you should already know music already. Forget that. You should start taking film classes. Understand editing, understand lighting, understand acting, understand directing, just so you can kind of, when you're watching a film, you have a feel for how to communicate with the, with the filmmakers because most times they don't know how to communicate musically. You know, like right. a filmmaker may not know how to talk about music, and it's a very difficult thing to do. Hmm. But if you can talk about filmmaking and storytelling to them, then, yeah. then you're both on the same page. So it's, but it's something that's oddly not taught at, uh, you know, in classes that are teaching film scoring, you know, they, they just concentrate mostly on just, all right, here's how you score, here's how you orchestrate, here's how you do this. But the, um, the important part is the communication between the people you're working with. Michael, I, I loved um, Jojo Rabbit. It's just a, it's such a great movie. It's a very different than anything else. But it also has some ties into the Marvel Universe, which I found interesting. You, of course, uh, Sam Rockwell and uh, Scarlett yep. Johansson and, and Taika Waititi. Um, is there any does does your approach change from a you know a, a huge blockbuster like a Batman or something in the Marvel Universe or a quote unquote smaller movie like Jojo Rabbit? Um. Logistically, it changes just because you're dealing with a much different sort of uh, level of budget and a much different sort of, you know, you're, you're confined more on these smaller films, which I actually like a lot. On the big films, it's, they're, they're a lot of fun, and you can kind of have what you want. You, you, whatever you want in the candy store, you can get. But on these other films, a smaller film like Jojo Rabbit, you know, they don't have the resources or the money to do that. So you're, you're confined, and it forces you to be creative in a way that, you know, you may not have to be so it, on on other films, uh, and and it's it's just makes you do things differently, which I think every once in a while is a great thing to have uh, forced upon you. So the, the the Baftas have a, I think a lot of times have have gotten right what um, award wise, what sometimes the Academy Awards don't get quite right, and you know I guess vice versa, depending on if a film you like wins. I guess you might yeah. be inclined to say that, but they they are well respected, and uh, I, I assume you've been to these before, correct? I ha- I actually have been to the Baptists once before. It was in two thousand nine for Up, uh, and that was the last time I I've been here for them. So it's it's been a while. But how, it's, it's how does it compare? Fun, you know? How does it compare to it's, the Academy Awards as far as, as presentation and being there? It's so fun. The first time I went, I didn't really realize what it was. I had no idea. And I was just like, oh, okay, some British <laughs> award thing. That's nice. And right. then I got here, and I, you know, you go at the Royal Albert Hall. It's at these, you know, and then you're just like, wait, what is this? And it's like huge. And every, it's like the Oscars. It's literally the Oscars of the UK. And I had, I stupidly didn't realize that at the time, you know, I just sort of wandered in as it was some uh, other event. And, and I, it made me realize, Oh, this is like a big deal here. This is <laughs> Were you wearing flip flops? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So I had my WMMR t-shirt on. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Michael, when you, when you're nominated for, for an Oscar or a BAFTA in the, the, the composing uh, categories, do they, seat you with the costume people and the animators and so forth as opposed to the you know the the actors and directors that are closer to the front usually i'm right next to brad pitt yeah, yeah. Oh, of course nice. uh, <laughs> uh, 
the handsome Actually, section. I, I do remember. I do remember the year for Ratatouille when I was nominated, and I was sitting in the aisle. And right across the aisle was George Clooney for me. So I was like, wow. "All right, that's pretty good. That's you solid." Know? Well, they figure you know? you're of a kind. You're yeah. all dashing, leading men, and they figure that's <laughs> that's the approach, right? Yeah. Well, but they roll the dice on on all of those people who are behind the camera because they don't know how dashing they. You know, right. they put them in those chairs and they get there and they're like, "Oh God, keep the camera off that guy." Hey, uh, Michael, so we saw you uh, had posted on, on Instagram a, um, uh, I guess you went to see uh, Birds of Prey, the new film. Yes, yes. I went last night to the premiere here in London. I was, uh, fr- my friend Daniel Pemberton, who did the music for it, uh, is you know, I, lo- I catch up with him whenever I'm in town, and, and he ha- the premiere happened to be that night. So luckily, uh, Warner Brothers was kind enough to give us tickets to it, and we got to go. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it was one of the, you know, I mean, nights. W- without asking you to betray too much, what's your takeaway? How, how'd you like it? I, I, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot. Margot Robbie, of course, is just incredible as that character. I always loved her as that character. So, uh, uh, but we had, we had, a, we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I think it's what you, what you're expecting it to be. Okay. You when, when, when you go to something like that, are you able to separate your, you know, your profession to just being a fan and watching Never. a film for what it is? No, it's very hard. Yeah, it's very hard. when I do when I do sit down and find myself caught up in a film, like I love that because that means I have forgotten everything and the film has really hit me in a certain way. Right. But it's it's not it's not often that it happens. I it did happen when I was watching. I think you know, nineteen seventeen was great. Like I loved watching that. I just felt like it all unfolding in front of me, which was really fun. So those experiences when they happen, it's it's great. But I do sort of miss the that childhood. Thing where you're watching the movies, and no matter what it is, or whether it's good or bad, you're enjoying it. You're having a great time. I think it's your natural instinct. Like yeah. when you're sitting next to a Brad Pitt, you're both going to be competing for best looking in the room. It's, it's, it's that <laughs> yeah, natural. Exactly. That exactly. Thing. I, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting, though, because uh, you talk about going in and seeing a film, you know, with the, with the uh, soundtrack subtracted. And for me, I think for everybody... The soundtrack is is so essential. The the, the, the music and in, in so many movies. I I know you're a soundtrack geek yourself. I love, yes. for example, I love you know like uh, Scorsese and other directors uh, uh, who are fans of movies. Legitimate, you know, M Night Shyamalan's a legitimate movie fanatic and yeah. uh, who loves it. So you yourself is an aficionado of other soundtracks. To go in, um, it, you're sort of getting robbed in a way of that initial experience. Yes. Of the completed project, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, totally robbed of it because the first first note of music you hear, or even you know, I'm just such a film geek in general. Like editing, all of those things are things that I notice and watch for. And in some cases, I can really admire it and I love it. And I'm like, oh my god, that cut was amazing, or that 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 staging was fantastic with the camera. In other cases, I'm like, wow, why'd they do that? Well, what? You let know, me ask you. you know, <laughs> let me ask you quickly. What? What? What movie did you walk in sans soundtrack? Where you, you know, when you went walked into compose, it just, it just, it just blew you away. Uh, you know, uh, uh, with your first viewing. I think Planet of the, the uh, War for the Planet of the Apes was one of them. Yeah, for sure. When I saw that, I was like, holy cow! Because I was just amazed at the level of emotion and acting that that Andy Serkis had provided, and all the other actors had then given the the mocap information to the animators, and they they did their incredible magic on it as well. And all of that came together in a way which, I mean, when you watch that movie, you're just like, you forget that this is not real. You're it's like, unfreaking it's, real. It's on. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and I'd given, I'd given, I enjoyed the, the, the movies. That one, you know, not that I was saying I was giving short shrift. I was such a fan of the original Planet of the Apes, so I was yeah. s- sort of suspect 
And then in, in short order, uh, you know, Matt Reeves made it his own and you did as well. And, and a wholly other thing. But that motion capture, you just, oh, right. <laughs> it's not a talking gorilla. Yeah. I know exactly. You're sitting there going, "How the hell did they get gorillas?" How did they train that gorilla like Actually, that? If you remember, I say the couple of years ago when I was on the show, I played the ram's horn. Yes, yeah, you did. On the uh, original one, remember that? Yep. So uh, uh, the, yeah. So the gentleman who gave me that, Anal Richards, was who I've worked with forever. Passed away this year. You know, oh. this guy. He was one of the sort of icons of the percussion community out here in Los Angeles. And he was just the greatest, nicest person uh, around, and Sicilian. So that's, that's well. There you go. And that's, that's the, the great Jerry Goldsmith did the uh, yeah. the, the soundtrack for that. One that's of the absolute right. best. Yeah, that's right. And he worked closely with Jerry for many years. And he actually was the one who who brought the ram's horn and brought the 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 um, the, the metal pot, the chicken uh, yeah. chicken pot. You played that for us too. Yeah, I loved it. That's when I knew you were actually yeah. my brother that I never met. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, so that, so, so, props to him. Uh, we miss him. He, you know, he was a he was an amazing, amazing person. Michael, we've been having some fun with um, Lord of the Rings this week for whatever reason, and uh, the music that Howard Shore brought to that movie uh, just—it's right. so iconic. Um, and you can't at this point separate the music from the movie. So anytime we we play that tune, you know, and you think about Gandalf and you think about the Shire, I do a Gandalf impression. So that's but it's, you... it's hilarious. And, Let's hear it. Well, it, it well, helps if you have the music. His name is Michael Jaquiner, and he's quite a composer. <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> the rest of the show like that? <laughs> we did I a good portion of it the other day. Like yeah. Preston, at this point, I'm going to play a fart effect. <laughs> my, my friend, uh, Juan Antonio Bayona, is, is in charge of putting the uh, the new series up over there. Uh, you know, the one that they're doing for Amazon. Yes. Yeah, so Wait, that's pretty cool. What's that series? I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with it. Lord of the Rings, yeah. And I, I think it's poised to be the most expensive yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, like it's, staggeringly it's huge. Like, it's amazing. Uh, every time I talk to him, he's just like his head is exploding. He's like, "You have no idea. Something, no one's. We've never done anything like this before. I don't know if I'm going to survive this." Yeah. I have to tell but, you, Michael, uh, it's goddamn insane. <laughs> <laughs> it is insane. It is insane. But it'll probably be great. I yes. Mean, yeah. You know, why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's the best. He directed Jurassic World three, but he also. Um, he did uh, when a monster calls, and he did uh, in the impossible. Uh, he's an incredible director. He's and just a, a talk about a film geek. I, this I, guy, I, he's the best. I wanted he's to ask him. you because talking about Planet of the Apes and 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 the, and the and the sound and like that those those weird sounds and you're a master of of you know of of just you know obviously matching the music and and when it needs to be a lot and when it needs to be a little. And I was reading an interview with you where you said you'd like to walk around a little bit and explore some horror movie composing a little bit more. You you did Let Me In, which is a remake yeah. of Let the Right One In, that Matt Reeves directed as well. And, and, um, and I think horror to me is is almost the the ultimate for a composer in walking the, the, the tightrope. You don't want to give, yeah. a, you don't want to telegraph anything, and yet you want to accentuate. So do you right. agree with that? I totally agree with that. And it's a very difficult genre to to, to do well. Because it's so easy just to be scary, to be, you know, for scary sake. But a lot of times you have to remember, like, no, it's more about, like, what is going on inside the the mind or the heart of the person who you're writing music for right. in that scene. You know, what's their point of view of all of this? And I feel like if you stay within that, you're safe. But sometimes, you know, you watch these films and people kind of get 
excited. They start just writing scary music, and it's all like shock scares and things like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, which, not, which is cheap. Not interesting. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not a, interesting yeah. at all. You know, it, when you think about like great horror, like they don't make enough great horror films for say thirteen years old, thirteen year old, thirteen or fourteen year old. Right. I feel like like when we grew up, we had Poltergeist. To me, it was an amazing horror film. You know. Uh, I love that. And that score, again, Jerry Goldsmith, is one of the best. It's still one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, when they when they when they catch it right, like the the, the Conjuring, you know, the the Conjuring yeah. had, a, had, a, had a, again you you uh, and you're right. I, I I don't want movies that telegraph constantly that go for the cheap shock thrill. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and that then the soundtrack is a major part of that. So hey, yeah, I, I feel like so many of the horror films these days they seem to lean more into the shock shock thing, which I'm right. just. I don't know. It, uh, I find it just very uninteresting. If, if you're good, if you head in that direction, Michael, you know, uh, sometimes your your orchestra. I'm going to music geek out on you here a little bit. Your orchestration choices might need to be a little bit avant garde, a little bit esoteric. Yeah. Are you? How how do you remind yourself of all the the thousands of different kinds of instruments and music styles that are out there? And, and are you well versed in in uh, uh, things like, you know, uh, Japanese music that have like semitones and stuff like that and getting into that, oh, yeah. those complexities. Absolutely. Definitely. And it's and it's it's tricky, too, when you start going into that world, uh, because if those semitones don't really line up with what the orchestra does. So when you're using those sort of instruments and that sort of you have to really sort of plan it out ahead of time how you're going to accomplish it. So it doesn't just sound like a big mess. I remember even on Star Trek, when I used a, a, a an Arhu, which is a Chinese violin. Uh, which was sort of the voice of Spock in that film. Um, it was interesting because I had to find someone who not only could pl- play it traditionally, but play it also in, with a Western bent as well. Oh, wow. Could sit, sit, sit inside <laughs> of an orchestra and just play, you know, the, the tonalities that we needed. That's wild. It was very hard to find someone like that. And Karen Hahn was the woman who played it on track and she was incredible she was just amazing and that, that's a beautiful instrument will you sometimes go searching for things like that that maybe you're not familiar with you yeah. know in eastern music and so on yep i'm actually kind of in the middle of that right now trying to figure out some things for batman and you know while i do have the theme is written and we actually have recorded a version of the suite and everything so that matt could have it while he's uh working and he can have that on set um, I still like it, the bones are there, but I, I feel like there's still the one little thing missing that, and, and it's exactly something like that. And I haven't quite found it yet, but I will. Yeah. Okay. I remember, I remember seeing, uh, I think it might've been like the Glenn Miller story or something like that. And there was a part of, uh, it, I forgot which song it was his, but it was just missing something and he, he couldn't put his finger on it. Right. Eventually somebody was sick and, and, and couldn't play their instrument. So they used a clarinet instead. And he's like, right. that's it. That's the one. Yeah. It sometimes yes, has I remember to hit. That. Yeah, it sometimes has to hit you like that. I assume exactly. You just wait for those things, and it's it's nothing you can force. It'll just happen. Like I'll be walking down the street, and I might hear something and go, "Oh, wait, what is that?" Yeah. And I'll go and record it and try and figure out how to use it in some way. Uh, or you stumble across an instrument in a in a music store that you're just like, like "What? What the hell is this thing?" You know, it's and that's where it all sort of that's like so cool. Comes, that, that, around. Yep. That's what. That or is. even just listening to like uh, you know, and it could be listening to anything from old classical music to classic rock. You know, because there, there's so many bands that used to be so great at using just odd instruments, and I mean, just think about the Beatles for a second. Like how many things they brought into their songs. You know, yeah. how many, what George Martin did so much <sighs> for bringing in so many odd things that you wouldn't even think of. And uh, I feel like they were sort of the 
the gurus and the, the, the people, the pioneers of all of that. Well, that's funny you should say that because something that always attracted me to the Beatles is my, my favorite band of all time is, is the, uh, and presence as well. The, the, uh, um, there, there was, there was that cinematic that you know. That I, I always love theme albums and and uh, concept albums and things like that. There was, there was that yeah. sort of stuff that permeated it, uh, and and that's so. In in a way, they sort of mirror each other uh, in that. I wanted to ask you, and I think I'm, I've been showing incredible restraint with not going off the charts on the Batman thing, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I believe I do. I am due some credit for that. But, but I, I do want to ask because you'd mentioned Star Trek, and there is this vast rumor going back and forth, and. Is there going to be another Star Trek film? Uh, there will be another Star Trek film. When will there be? <laughs> it's a big question. All right, you know, all right. Uh, yeah, there, there, there will be. It's just, I, you know, they're sorting through a lot of things right now, trying to figure out what to do, what's the best idea, and all of that. And sometimes, you know, it's in, it's infuriating sometimes, but it takes forever to get a movie up and going. You know, uh, and it's just one of those things. So, all right, and, and then you know they'll they'll do it. And they've been. You know, and on the TV side, of course, you have it going full on. They have Picard out now. They have. Discovery have you watched? The, Did you watch? Uh, yeah, I I had I went to the premiere where they showed the first. We you know got to see the first three episodes. Yeah. Where it has a, a one you lucky bastard. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I saw the the first one, and it's I damn good. I I mean, the, the, a huge isn't next generation. So good. It's great to see him on on screen again, isn't it? In that yeah. role. Yes. He's, Yes, he's he's the best. There's like you know, it's, there's no one like him, and I, and also just the nicest guy. I didn't I didn't work on those shows, but I did get to you know meet him uh, just through my involvement in directing the shorts with them and doing other things with them. And uh, it was just like you know, he was so he was just the nicest guy in the world. That's awesome to hear that, Michael. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh, circling back to the Beatles real quick, I, I follow uh, Paul McCartney on uh, on Instagram, and uh, he has his phone number on his Instagram account, and I think that might be different than the number you have. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, I'm wondering if you could, if you could send me Paul's I actually, number. I actually just saw him yesterday. We hung out yesterday for about an hour and a half, and oh, we've been catching up. Unbelievable! Uh, which was really, really just. Did you go to the batting cages with him and Ian McKellen? <laughs> oh yeah, actually, uh, they decided to give him the Batmobile. Uh, Son of a bitch! Uh, well, I, I have to. I listen. I understand. If Paul McCartney gets my Batmobile, I can't argue. Well, what did you? What did you and Paul do, uh, Michael? Um, I, we just hung out uh, for about an hour and a half. We were just catching up. Uh, I hadn't seen we hadn't seen each other in a while, so we got together and it just uh, really honestly catching up, talking about family, talking about you know it's always fun to hear stories. He you know about you know his starting out and all of that, and he's oh, really generous with sharing. All was of was he in some bands when he? Started? <laughs> yeah, he, he was in a band. They used to play in Hamburg. Yeah. Uh, Michael. So obviously everybody knows who the Beatles are and Paul McCartney is. Um, are, are you aware of how huge of a fan Preston is of the Beatles and of Paul McCartney? Are, are you aware of how much of a hero Paul McCartney is to Preston Elliott? So would this be bigger than the Batman fandom? This, 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 <laughs> right, is, this might right. be bigger than, than Steve's that I, I don't know. Let's man. strike a deal. Well, because, here. Let's because strike Batman a deal. is not real. Before uh, you yeah. f before you f up my Batmobile, mm-hmm. Casey, <laughs> uh, I, I would I would have to rescind uh, re- receiving a, a full scale working Batmobile <laughs> to, to, to make uh, to make Preston's uh, at some point if that um, because actually Preston in in Preston lore, Michael 
had a surprise interview when he was a young broadcaster Mm -hmm. with Paul McCartney with absolutely not one scintilla of prep. He found out last second. You want to take it from here, Preston? They they didn't tell me. It was in 1993. He was playing in St. Louis at Bush Stadium, and I was there just to meet him. And his manager comes out and goes, okay, well, you're going to have 15 minutes with Paul. I'm like, what do you mean I'm going to have 15 (laughs) minutes with Paul? He goes, for the interview. I'm like, "Um, okay. (laughs) What? And... uh, Amazing. Uh, Wait, not, was, it a, uh, was it a Prince interview? A Prince interview? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was a radio interview. It was a radio oh, really? interview. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and just as impressive, I got to hang out with Linda and do an interview, too. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, man. That which, that's amazing. Which is amazing. Did, but did you still uh, have it? Uh, I, I do have a recording of it, and I'm, I'm, you know, as proud of it as I am, I'm also embarrassed by it, too, because... Because you keep He's calling him John. He John keeps calling him Ringo. <laughs> I was a fledgling broadcaster, uh, but I would love to I would love to get that opportunity again sometime, but I would never ask. No, we jokingly co-opt your incredible megastar status for... Um, <laughs> but, but uh, um... But no, that, that's obviously that it's it's just cool because you know what? Vicariously, you're again such a fan to be in this realm with these people. Yeah, we it, it, your your adoration and and joy comes through every time we talk. And it's that, just cool to that's hear. That's just awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I I feel so lucky because the people that I get to meet, they're all also very nice people who are very much just like we are in terms of the things that they love. Right. You know, they're huge fans of of rock. They're huge fans of movies. Oh. They're huge. You know, they're just truly you know, good people who like these things, you know, and I find that most of the people working at this level are like that. They just are really good people who love what they do and, and are just as geeky and stupid as all of us. <laughs> I love right. it. I love know? it. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this, Michael, because anytime I've ever met anybody famous or, or really cool or, you know, huge celebrity or whatever, initially uh, and going into it, I'm nervous. But if you're lucky enough to then meet that person a second time, you realize that, Yes, it's a, it's a celebrity. It's somebody who's really famous who has made a huge impact on the world. But they're also just a person. And then the second time around, you can actually get to know them a little bit on that level. Do you, do you find that to be the case? Absolutely. And, and I think you find that they're just as nervous as you at, at any, any given moment of the day because they're just, you know, whatever they did, they did something right, which got them to where they are. Right. In many in many cases, it's it's luck, you know, comp- you know, combined with being prepared, and as they say, and all of those things. But you know, they're just trying to do something that is good. And I feel like the more successful you get, the harder it gets, and you you're more hard on yourself, and you and you you're trying harder to to make sure you don't screw up because you have this sort of like identity now, which is a little weird. Whereas before all of that happened, you didn't care. You'd try anything. You would just do everything. If you failed, you, you it, that's fine. You'd learn and move on. But it, as you get older and as you do more, it does it gets harder. So I think when you meet anyone doing what they do, you find that they're not that different from any of us. You I, know? I would imagine it would take like things. the third or fourth time with Paul McCartney <laughs> before you'd feel comfortable in pantsing him. <laughs> Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't got to that level. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Pantsing him in, like, Piccadilly Circus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, ha- I haven't got to that. But something tells me he'd be like, sure, let's do that. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, well, listen, Michael, we're going to have to wrap, but uh, tomorrow night, the BAFTAs, uh, and uh, you're up for uh, the film Jojo Rabbit. Um, yeah. Is is it, uh, do you have any friends out there with you, or are you just running solo? Yeah, no, no, I have my girlfriend Andrea's here with me, and my sister Maria's here, awesome. and uh, 
And then there's a bunch of other people that are here also for events and stuff, so uh, I get to see them as well. So it's kind cool. of fun. Well, it's fantastic. Fun. Well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll monitor and uh, see what happens, but uh, we wish you the best of luck, and and hopefully we'll be seeing you in the near future, maybe. maybe. I hope so. We'll head out to the house. I hope so. We've had conversations. Nice. Yes, we have, yeah, so... Let's 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 continue. Let's make that have reality. I love right. it. Excellent. All right. Hey, good luck with everything, Michael. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. All, All right. right. You got it. Michael Chiquito, friend of the show, presidency program. He's just he's just the best. He's, oh, I I had an hour and a half with Sir Paul McCartney. Oh my yesterday. God. I mean that's but. You know what? I if know. it's going to be anyone, he let just, it be him because he's such a good guy. He and uh, He deserves it. He does. And and just to kind of give a, a, a minor tease, we're, we're working on something. We are. With uh, Michael, which yeah. could be pretty damn cool that we're hoping for. We want, well, we've been working on a script, uh, the Bill Weston script. <laughs> And, and he's going we, he to. He might score it. Yeah. Today's yeah. a good day to mention that. It, it yeah. is his birthday. Yes. So, the man about town, so we'll see if the film ever <laughs> uh, comes to uh It to has Christian. legs, as they say. Yes. All right, that's Annabelle. I'm sorry, I had to turn down. One more time. There you go. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back in a second. Hey, we got your chance to win $1,000 with easy money. We're running out of time on this. It ends on Monday, so don't miss this opportunity. We'll be right back. That, the Bizarre File, and more. What's new? Why do you ask? Disturb. Probot. New music, more of everything that rocks. I'm 93.3 WMMR. Friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. And his name is Michael Giacchino. I figured we'd dive right in yeah. to the musical We moment. need a little pop. Friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. His name is Michael Giacchino. All right, let's get him on. <laughs> It's so embarrassing. Well, you, you know, so listen. Bad. There you go. That's better. He Thank respects you. another fellow composer, Preston. What a busy year this uh, gentleman is in the middle of. I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off a few yeah. little little projects he's in the middle of. Uh, Doctor Strange two. Oh man. The Batman, the next Jurassic Park film. Uh, Spider, the next Spider Man film, and something that hasn't been announced as of yet. So. It's just a little bit of work on his plate. Uh, calling us from the UK this morning, please give some love to Mr. Michael Jaquino, yeah. a friend of the show. Hello. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I got to say, it's kind of cool sitting here in London and looking out the window, but hearing people talk about Cherry Hill. <laughs> It's <laughs> uh, really it's pretty awesome. Honestly, in London, uh, we are the envy of all the Brits because we have such close access to Cherry Hill. So yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> so are you are you currently recording music for the Batman in London? Well, I might be. Okay. All right. I don't know which which parts of these things are top secret and not. Well, that begs that begs. Go ahead. Technically, well, I was going to say, technically, I'm here for the BAFTAs for for Jojo Rabbit. Yes. Um, so, so, so I'm going to that on Sunday. But I figured since I'm here, maybe there's some, you know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Well, to that to that point, a number of award nominations, and uh, obviously uh, for Jojo Rabbit, uh, which has been a, a really cool project for you. I know you're you're a fan yeah. of uh, Taika Waititi's uh, work and. Uh, and I, I, reading an interview uh, with you about prepping for that film and, and for all the films uh, that you you um, 
you don't read a script. You kind of dive in and and try to go with what viscerally you're feeling the music should be. And then right. at a certain point, you see if it lines up with what you're seeing on screen and what the story is. And then tweaking begins. Would that be accurate? Yeah, that that is that's very correct. Except for it was a little different on Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit was one of those films I did read the script ahead of time. Right. I, nor, I normally don't. You know, the, the, the advantage I have over actors is... I get to see the film before I choose to work on it. Whereas, you know, I, I always feel badly for actors. It's such a, you know, you're rolling the dice each time. You're like, well, this could be great. I'm going to do this. And then you just never know how it's going to turn out. Uh, but at least I have the advantage of seeing it beforehand. So I can, I can be a little choosier. But this was one of those ones where I just love Taika's work so much. I was like, yep, send me the script. I will, uh, let me read it. And I also knew even no matter what, I was just going to do it no matter what. <laughs> yeah, he's... He, He's so freaking good uh, and, and such a different take on things. But I think you and, and knowing you the way we do and your history, I think out of the gate you were probably more fo- focused towards filmmaking with the music, yeah. music following suit. And so you, you speak in a cinematic language, and that helps you with your composing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like all those years of filmmaking that I did growing up, most of it in my parents' basement, you know, that's the cliche. Yes. Nerds are in the basement. But <laughs> it, 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 this, that's why cliches are there. Yes, because um, they're true. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I literally uh, spent my entire life making films. So I feel like I can communicate with all of these filmmakers in a way that most people who just do music can't, you know. And it's one of the things I try to teach whenever I go in and do classes and things. I try to tell them, the kids always ask, well, what can I do to, to do what you're doing? And I'm like, well, if you want to be a film composer... All right, you should already know music already. Forget that. You should start taking film classes. Understand editing, understand lighting, understand acting, understand directing. Just so you can kind of, when you're watching a film, you have a feel for how to communicate with the with the filmmakers. Because most times, they don't know how to communicate musically. You know, like right. a filmmaker may not know how to talk about music. And it's a very difficult thing to do. Mm. But if you can talk about filmmaking and storytelling to them, then, yeah. then you're both on the same page. So it's, But it's something that's oddly not taught. At uh, you know, in classes that are teaching film scoring, you know, they they just concentrate mostly on just all right. Here's how you score. Here's how you orchestrate. Here's how you do this. But the uh, the important part is the communication between the people you're working with. Michael, so, I, I loved um, Jojo Rabbit. It's just a, it's such a great movie. It's a very different than anything else. But it also has some ties into the Marvel universe, which I found interesting. You, of course, uh, Sam Rockwell and uh, Scarlett yep. Johansson and, and Taika Waititi. Um, is there any does does your approach change from a you know a, a huge blockbuster like a Batman or something in the Marvel universe or a quote unquote smaller movie like Jojo Rabbit? Um, logistically, it changes just because you're dealing with a much different sort of uh, level of budget and a much different sort of you know you're you're confined more on these smaller films, which I actually like a lot. On the big films, it's they're they're a lot of fun, and you can kind of have what you want. You whatever you want in the candy store, you can get. But on these other films, a smaller film like Jojo Rabbit, you know, they don't have the resources or the money to do that. So you're you're confined and it forces you to be creative in a way that, you know, you may not have to be so it is on, on other films. Uh, and and it's it's just makes you do things differently, which I think every once in a while is a great thing to have forced upon you. So the, the, the BAFTAs have, a, I think, a lot of times have, have gotten right what um... – Award-wise, what sometimes the Academy Awards don't get quite right, and, you know, I guess vice versa, depending on if a film you like wins, I guess you might yeah. be inclined to say that. But they they are well-respected, and uh, I, I assume you've been to these before, correct? 
I, ha- I actually have been to the bathrooms once before. It was in 2009 for Up. Uh, and that was the last time I, I've been here for them. So it's, it's been a while. But it's, how, it's, how does it compare? Fun, you know? How does it compare to the Academy Awards as far as, as presentation and being there? It's so fun. The first time I went, I didn't really realize what it was. I had no idea. And I was just like, oh, okay, some British <laughs> award thing. That's nice. And right. then I got here, and I, you know, you go at the Royal Albert Hall. It's at these, you know, and then you're just like, wait, what is this? And it's like huge. And every, it's like the Oscars. It's literally the Oscars of the UK. And I had, I stupidly didn't realize that at the time, you know, I just sort of wandered in as it was some other event. And, and I, it made me realize, Oh, this is like a big deal. Here. This is huge. Were you wearing flip flops? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So I had my WMMR t-shirt on. Yeah, <laughs> Michael. When you when you're nominated for for an Oscar or a BAFTA in the 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 composing uh, categories, do they seat you with the costume people and the animators and so forth, as opposed to the you know the the actors and directors that are closer to the front? Usually, I'm right next to Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the handsome Actually, section. I, I do remember. I do remember the year for Ratatouille when I was nominated, and I was sitting in the aisle, and right across the aisle was George Clooney from me. So I was like, wow. "All right, that's pretty good. That's you solid." Know? Well, they figure you know, you're of a kind. You're yeah. all dashing, leading men, and they figure that's <laughs> that's the approach, right? Yeah, well, but they roll the dice on on all of those people who are behind the camera because they don't know how dashing they. You know, right. if they put them in those chairs and they get there and they're like, "Oh God, keep the camera off that guy." Hey, uh, Michael, so we saw you uh, had posted on, on Instagram a, um, uh, I guess you went to see uh, Birds of Prey, the new film. Yes, yes. I went last night to the premiere here in London. I was, uh, fr- my friend Daniel Pemberton, who did the music for it, uh, is, you know, I, lo- I catch up with him whenever I'm in town, and, and he ha- the premiere happened to be that night. So luckily, uh, Warner Brothers was kind enough to give us tickets to it, and we got to go. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it was one of the, you know, late I mean, nights. W- without asking you to betray too much, what's your takeaway? How, how'd you like it? I, I, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Lot. Margot Robbie, of course, is just incredible as that character. I always loved her as that character. So, uh, uh, but we had, we, had a, we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I think it's what you... What you're expecting it to be? Okay. When, when when you go to something like that, are you able to separate your you know your profession to just being a fan and watching Never. a film for what it is? No, it's very hard. Yeah, it's very hard. When I do when I do sit down and find myself caught up in a film, like I love that because that means I've forgotten everything and the film has really hit me in a certain way. Right. But it's it's not it's not often that it happens. I it did happen when I was watching. I think you know 1917 was great. Like I loved watching that. I just felt like it all unfolding in front of me, which was really fun. So those experiences, when they happen, it's it's great. But I do sort of miss the that childhood thing where you're watching the movies, and no matter what it is, or whether it's good or bad, you're enjoying it. You're having a great time. I think it's your natural instinct. Like yeah. when you're sitting next to a Brad Pitt, you're both going to be competing for best looking in the room. It's, it's, it's that <laughs> yeah, natural exactly, that exactly. thing. Exactly. I, you know, it's it's, it, it's interesting though because uh, you talk about going in and seeing a film, you know, with the with the uh, soundtrack subtracted, and for me, I think for everybody, the soundtrack is is so essential. The the, the music and in so many movies, I, I know you're a soundtrack geek yourself. I love, yes. for example, I love you know like uh, Scorsese and other directors uh, uh, who are fans of movies, legitimate. You know, M Night Shyamalan's a legitimate movie fanatic. And yeah. who loves it? So you yourself, as an aficionado of other soundtracks, to go in, um, it, you're sort of getting robbed in a way of that initial experience 
of, yes. of the Competed Project, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally robbed of it because the first the first note of music you hear, or even you know, I'm just such a film geek in general. Like editing, all of those things are things that I notice and watch for. And in some cases, I can really admire it and I love it. And I'm like, oh my god, that cut was amazing, or that 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 staging was fantastic with the camera. In other cases, I'm like, wow, why'd they do that? Well, what? You let know, me ask you. <laughs> let me ask you quickly. What 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 movie did you walk in Sans soundtrack? Where you you know when you went walked into Compose, it just it just it just blew you away. Uh, you know, uh, uh, with your first viewing. I think Planet of the, the uh, War for the Planet of the Apes was one of them. Yeah, for sure. When I saw that, I was like, holy cow! Because I was just amazed at the level of emotion and acting that that Andy Serkis had provided, and all the other actors had then given the the mocap information to the animators, and they they did their incredible magic on it as well and all of that came together in a way which i mean when you watch that movie you're just like you forget that this is not real you're it's like, unfreaking real it's on yeah. i mean honestly and i'd given i'd given i enjoyed the the, the movies that one you know not that i was saying i was giving short shrift i was such a fan of the original planet of the apes so i, I was yeah. s- sort of suspect and then in, in short order uh, you know matt reeves made it his own and you did as well and and a wholly other thing but that motion capture you just Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. a talking gorilla. Yeah. I know, exactly. You're sitting there going, how the hell did they get gorillas? Like, <laughs> how did they train that gorilla like Actually, that? if you remember, I think a couple of years ago when I was on the show, I played the ram's horn. Yes, you did. On the original one, remember that? Yep. So oh, the, yeah. So the gentleman who gave me that, Emil Richards, was who I've worked with forever, passed away this year. You know, oh. this guy... He was one of the sort of icons of the percussion community out here in Los Angeles. And he was just the greatest, nicest person uh, around. And Sicilian. So that's, that's well, it. there you go. And that's, that's the, the great Jerry Goldsmith did the, uh, yeah. the, the soundtrack for that. One that's of the absolute right. best, yeah. That's right. And he worked closely with Jerry for many years. And he actually was the one who, who brought the ram's horn and brought the... the, the um, the, the metal pots, the chicken uh, yeah. kitchen pots. You played that for us, too. Yeah. yeah, I loved yeah, it. Yeah. That's when I knew you were actually yeah. my brother that I never met. Yeah, yeah there you yeah. go. So so that, so that so props to him. Uh, we miss him. He, you know, he was, a, he was an amazing, amazing person. Michael, we've been having some fun with um, Lord of the Rings this week for whatever reason. And uh, the music that Howard Shore brought to that movie, uh, it just it, right. it's so iconic. Um, and you can't, at this point, separate the music from the movie. So anytime we, we play that tune, you know, when you think about Gandalf and you think about the Shire. <laughs> I do a Gandalf impression. So that's but it's, yeah. it's hilarious. And, well, it helps well, if you have the music. His name is Michael Giacchino, and he's quite a composer. <laughs> there you go, right? Can you do the rest of the show like that? <laughs> we did I a good portion of it the other day. Like Preston, at this point, I'm going to play a fart effect. <laughs> my, my friend, uh, Juan Antonio Bayona, is, is in charge of putting the uh, the new series up over there. Uh, the one that they're doing for Amazon. Yes. Yeah, so Wait, that's pretty cool. What's that series? I'm not sure. I'm Lord not of the Rings. With it. Lord of the Rings, yeah. And it, it, I think it's poised to be the most expensive yeah. Series, yeah, yeah, like it's, staggeringly it's huge. It's amazing. I, every time I talk to him, he's just like his head is exploding. He's like, you have no idea. How big, <laughs> no one's, we've never done anything like this before. I don't know if I'm going to survive this. You I know? have to tell but, you, Michael, uh, it's goddamn insane. <laughs> <laughs> it is insane. It is insane, but it'll probably be great. I yes, mean, yeah. You know, why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah he's, he's the best. He directed Traffic World 3, but he also... Um, he did uh, when a monster calls, and he did uh, in the impossible. Uh, he's an incredible director. He's and just a, a talk about a film geek. 
I, this guy I, is the best. I wanted he to ask him. you because talking about Planet of the Apes and 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 the, and the and the sound and like that those those weird sounds and you're a master of of you know of of just you know obviously matching the music and and when it needs to be a lot and when it needs to be a little. And I was reading an interview with you where you said you'd like to walk around a little bit and explore some horror movie composing a little bit more. You you did Let Me In, which is a remake yeah. of Let the Right One In that Matt Reeves directed as well. And, and um and I think hard to me is is almost the the ultimate for a composer in walking the the, the tightrope. You don't want to give yeah. a, you don't want to telegraph anything and yet you want to accentuate. So do you right. agree with that? I totally agree with that and it's a very difficult genre to 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 do well because it's so easy just to be scary to be, you know, for scary sake. But a lot of times you have to remember like no, it's more about like what is going on inside the the mind or the heart of the person who you're writing music for right. in that scene. You know, what's their point of view of all of this? And I feel like if you stay within that, you're safe. But sometimes, you know, you watch these films and people kind of get excited. They start just writing scary music and it's all like shock scares and things like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, which, not, which is cheap. It's not interesting. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not a, interesting yeah. at all. You know, it, when you think about like great heart, like they don't make enough great horror films for, say, 13 years old, 13 year old, 13 and 14 year old. Right. I feel like like when we grew up, we had Poltergeist to me it was an amazing horror film. You know, uh, I love that. And that score, again, Jerry Goldsmith is one of the best. It's still one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, when they when they when they catch it right, like the the, the Conjuring, you know, the the Conjuring yeah. had, a, had, a, had a, again you you uh, and you're right. I I don't want movies that telegraph constantly that go for the cheap shock thrill. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and that then the soundtrack is a major part of that. So hey, yeah, I, I feel like so many of the horror films these days they seem to lean more into the shock shock thing, which I right. just. I don't know. It's, uh, I find it just very uninteresting. If, if you're good, if you head in that direction, Michael, you know, uh, sometimes your your orchestra. I'm going to music geek out on you here a little bit. Your or- orchestration choices might need to be a little bit avant garde, a little bit esoteric. Yeah. Are you? How how do you remind yourself of all the the thousands of different kinds of instruments and music styles that are out there? And and are you well versed in in uh, uh, things like you know uh, Japanese music that have like semitones and stuff like that, and getting into that, oh, yeah. those complexities. Absolutely, definitely, and it's and it's it's tricky too when you start going into that world uh, because if those semitones don't really line up with what the orchestra does, so when you're using those sort of instruments and that sort of, you have to really sort of plan it out ahead of time how you're going to accomplish it, so it doesn't just sound like a big mess. I remember even on Star Trek when I used a, a, a an arhu, which is a Chinese violin. Uh, which was sort of the voice of Spock in that film. Um, it was interesting because I had to find someone who not only could put, play it traditionally, but play it also in, with a Western bent as well. Oh, wow. Sit, sit inside <laughs> of an orchestra and just play, you know, the, the tonalities that we needed. That's and wild. It's very hard to find someone like that. And Karen Hahn was the woman who played it on track and she was incredible she was just amazing and that's a beautiful instrument will you sometimes go searching for things like that that maybe you're not familiar with you know in eastern music and so on yep i'm actually kind of in the middle of that right now trying to figure out some things for batman and you know while i do have the theme is written and we actually have recorded a version of the suite and everything so that matt could have it while he's uh working and he can have that on set um, I still like it, the bones are there, but I, I feel like there's still the one little thing missing that, and, and it's exactly something like that. And I haven't quite found it yet, but I will. Yeah. I remember, I remember seeing, uh, I think it might've been like the Glenn Miller story or something like that. And there was a part of, 
Uh, I forgot which song it was his, but it was just missing something, and he, he couldn't put his finger on it. Right. Eventually, somebody was sick and, and and couldn't play their instrument, so they used a clarinet instead, and he's like, right. that's it. That's the one. Yes. It sometimes yes, I has remember to hit, that. Yeah, it sometimes has to hit you like that, I assume. Exactly. You just wait for those things, and it's it's nothing you can force. It'll just happen. Like, I'll be walking down the street, and I might hear something and go, oh, wait, what is that? Yeah. And I'll go and record it and try and figure out how to use it in some way. Uh, or you stumble across an instrument in a in a music store that you're just like going, what what the hell is this thing? You know, it's and that's where it all sort of that's like so cool. Comes, comes that, that, around. Yep. That's what. That's... Or even just listening to like uh, you know, and it could be listening to anything from old classical music to classic rock. You know, because there, there's so many bands that used to be so great at using just odd instruments. And I mean, just think about the Beatles for a second. Like how many things they brought into their songs. You know, yeah. how many, what George Martin did so much <sighs> for bringing in so many odd things that you wouldn't even think of and uh i feel like they were sort of the the gurus and the 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 people the pioneers of all of that well that's funny you should say that because something that always attracted me to the beatles is my my favorite band of all time is is the uh and presence as well the the uh um there, there was, there was that cinematic that you know. That I, I always love theme albums and and uh, concept albums and things like that there was there was that yes. sort of stuff that permeated it, uh, and and that's so in in a way they sort of mirror each other uh, in that. I wanted to ask you, and I think I'm, I've been showing incredible restraint with not going off the charts on the Batman thing, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I I believe I do I am due some credit for that. But if I, I do want to ask because you'd mentioned Star Trek, and there is this vast rumor going back and forth and. Is there going to be another Star Trek film? Uh, there will be another Star Trek film. When will there be? <laughs> it's a big question. All right, you know, all right. Uh, yeah, there, there, there will be. It's just, I, you know, they're sorting through a lot of things right now, trying to figure out what to do, what's the best idea, and all of that. And sometimes, you know, it's, in, it's infuriating sometimes, but it takes forever to get a movie up and going. You know, uh, and it's just one of those things. So, all right, and, and then you know they'll they'll do it. And they've been, you know, and on the TV side, of course, you have it going full on. They have Picard out now. They have. Discovery have you watched? The, Did you watch? Uh, yeah, I I have I went to the premiere where they showed the first. We you know got to see the first three episodes. Yeah. It has a, a one you lucky bastard. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw the the first one, and it's I damn good. I I mean. The, the, a huge isn't next generation, so good. It's great to see him on on screen again, isn't it? In that yeah. role, yes, he's, yes, he's he's the best. There's like you know, it's, there's no one like him, and I, and also just the nicest guy. I didn't I didn't work on those shows, but I did get to you know meet him uh, just through my involvement in directing the shorts with them and doing other things with them. And uh, it was just like you know, he was so he was just the nicest guy in the world. That's awesome to hear that, Michael. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, circling back to the Beatles real quick, I, I follow uh, Paul McCartney on uh, on Instagram, and uh, he has his phone number on his Instagram account, and I think that might be different than the number you have. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm wondering if you could, if you could send me Paul's number. I actually just saw him yesterday. We hung out yesterday for about an hour and a half, and oh. we've been catching up. Unbelievable! Uh, which was really, really just. Did you go to the batting cages with him and Ian McKellen? <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, uh, they decided to give him the Batmobile. Instead. Son oh, of a bitch. Right. Oh. Well, I, I have to. I, listen, I understand. If Paul McCartney gets my Batmobile, I can't argue. Well, what did you What did you and Paul do, uh, Michael? Um, I, we just hung out uh, for about an hour and a half. We were just catching up. Uh, I hadn't seen, we hadn't seen each other in a while, so we got together, and it just uh, really, honestly, catching up, talking about family, talking about, 
you know, mm-hmm. it's always fun to hear stories, he'll, you know, about, you know, his starting out and all of that. And he's oh, really generous with sharing. All was of was he in some bands when he started? <laughs> yeah, he, he was in a band. They used to play in Hamburg. Yeah. Uh, Michael, so obviously everybody knows who the Beatles are and Paul McCartney is. Um, are, are you aware of... How huge of a fan Preston is of the Beatles and of Paul McCartney? Are, are you aware of how much of a hero Paul McCartney <laughs> is to Preston Elliott? So would this be bigger than the Batman fandom? <laughs> this this, this, right, is, this might right. be bigger than, than Steve's Batman. I don't know, Let's man. strike a deal well, because, Let's because strike Batman a deal. is not real. Before, uh, you yeah. F, before you F up my Batmobile, mm-hmm. Casey, <laughs> I, I, would, I would have to rescind uh, re- receiving a, a full-scale working Batmobile <laughs> to, to, make, uh, to make Preston's uh, at some point if that um, – because actually Preston in, – in Preston lore, Michael – had a surprise interview when he was a young broadcaster mm-hmm. with Paul McCartney with absolutely not one scintilla of prep. Yeah. He found out last second. You want to take it from here, Preston? They, they what didn't tell me. It was in 1993. He was playing in St. Louis at Bush Stadium, and I was there just to meet him. And his yeah. manager comes out and goes, okay, well, you're going to have 15 minutes with Paul. I'm like, what do you mean I'm going to have 15 <laughs> minutes with Paul? He goes, for the interview. I'm like, "I'm okay. <laughs> what? And... Uh, Amazing. Uh, Wait, not, was, it a, I, was it a Prince interview? A Prince interview? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was a radio interview. It was a radio oh, really? interview. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and just as impressive, I got to hang out with Linda and do an interview, too. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, man. That, that's amazing. Which is amazing. But uh, have it? Uh, I, I do have a recording of it, and I'm, I'm, you know, as proud of it as I am, I'm also embarrassed by it, too, because... Because you keep calling him John. On air. He keeps calling him Ringo. <laughs> I was a fledgling broadcaster, uh, but I would love to I would love to get that opportunity again sometime, but I would never ask. No, we, 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 no, we'll we, joking, we jokingly co-opt your incredible megastar status for our own, but, but, uh, um... But no, that, that's obviously that it's it's just cool because you know what? Vicariously, you're again such a fan to be in this realm with these people. Yeah, we it, it, your your adoration and and joy comes through every time we talk. And it's that, just cool to that's hear. That's just awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I I feel so lucky because the people that I get to meet, they're all also very nice people who are very much just like we are in terms of the things that they love. Right. You know, they're huge fans of of rock. They're huge fans of movies. Oh. They're huge. You know, they're just truly. You know, good people who like these things, you know, and I find that most of the people working at this level are like that. They just are really good people who love what they do and, and are just as geeky and stupid as all of us. <laughs> I love right. it. I love you know? it. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this, Michael, because anytime I've ever met anybody famous or, or really cool or, you know, a huge celebrity or whatever, initially uh, and going into it, I'm nervous. But if you're lucky enough to then meet that person a second time, you realize that. Yes, it's a it's a celebrity. It's somebody who's really famous who has made a huge impact on the world. But they're also just a person. And then the second time around, you can actually get to know them a little bit on that level. Do you do you find that to be the case? Absolutely, and and I think you find that they're just as nervous as you at, at any any given moment of the day because they're just you know whatever they did, they did something right which got them to where they are. Right. But in many in many cases, it's it's luck. You know, comp- you know, combined with being prepared and as they say and all of those things, but. You know, they're just trying to do something that is good. And I feel like the more successful you get, the harder it gets. And you, you're more hard on yourself and, you, and you, you're trying harder to, to make sure you don't screw up because you have this sort of like identity now, which is a little weird. Whereas before all that happened, you didn't care. You'd try anything. You would just do everything. If you failed, you'd, you, it, that's fine. You'd learn and move on. But it, as you get older and as you do more, it, does, it gets harder. So I think when you meet 
anyone doing what they do, you find that they're not that different from any of us. You I, know? I would imagine it would take like something. the third or fourth time with Paul McCartney <laughs> before you'd feel comfortable in pantsing him. <laughs> Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't got to that level. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pantsing him in, like, Piccadilly Circus. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I haven't got to that, but something tells me he'd be like, sure, let's do that. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> uh, well, listen, Michael, we're going to have to wrap, but uh, tomorrow night, the BAFTAs, uh, and uh, you're up for uh, the film Jojo Rabbit. Um, yeah. Is is it, uh, do you have any friends out there with you, or are you just running solo? Yeah, no, no, I have my girlfriend, Andrea, is here with me, and my sister, Maria, is here. Awesome. And, uh, and then there's a bunch of other people that are here also for events and stuff, so uh, I get to see them as well, so it's kind cool. of fun. Well, it's fantastic. Fun. Well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll monitor and uh, see what happens, but uh, we wish you the best of luck, and, and hopefully we'll be seeing you in the near future, maybe. maybe. I hope so. We'll head out to the house. I hope so. We've yeah. had conversations. Nice. Yes, yeah. we have, yeah, let's, so... Let's, Let's 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 continue. Let's make that have reality. I All love right. it. Excellent. All right. Hey, good luck with everything, Michael. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. All, All right, right. You got it. Michael Giacchino, friend of the show, presidency program. He's just he's just the best. He's... Oh, I, I had an hour and a half with Sir Paul McCartney. Oh, my yesterday. God. I mean, that's but. You know what? I if know. it's going to be anyone, he let just, it be him because he's such a good guy. He and uh, He deserves it. He does. And and just to kind of give a, a, a minor tease, we're, we're working on something. We are. With uh, Michael, which yeah. could be pretty damn cool that we're hoping for. We want, well, we've been working on a script, uh, the Bill Weston script. <laughs> And, and he's going we, he to. He might score it. Yeah. Today's yeah. a good day to mention that. It, it is yeah. his birthday. Yes. The, the man about town, so we'll see if the and film ever uh, comes to uh It to has Christian. legs, as they say. Yes. All right, that's Annabelle. I'm sorry, I had it turned down. One more time. There you go. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back in a second. Hey, we got your chance to win $1,000 with easy money. We're running out of time on this. It ends on Monday, so don't miss this opportunity. We'll be right back. That, the Bizarre File, and more. The Preston and Steve Show Podcast. Wait, turn up the sound. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. 93.3 93.3 WMMR. Easy money. All right. The uh, the word that you need this hour is radio. Ah. R-A-D-I-O. And you have until 815 to enter it via text to the special contest short code number, which we have. It's 45911. Or if you're interested in being entered for the $10,000 grand prize, you can enter the MMR through the MMR mobile app. Or the contest page, WMMR.com. Now, you'll get a call if you're randomly selected in this Beasley nationwide contest and you win $1,000. Complete contest rules are available at WMMR.com. Once again, the word for this hour is radio, R-A-D-I-O. Good luck from Meineke and 93.3 WMMR. Now we can get the NJM Insurance Group traffic. Kathy, what's going on? 422 is still closed between uh, Collegeville and Royersford. This is on the westbound side. It's an overturned dump truck. Traffic is uh, being forced to exit at Route 29. So this is westbound on the on 422 between 29 and Royersford. You have to get off of 422 at Route 29. Eastbound is jammed from Royersford to 29 as well. Schuylkill Expressway eastbound. Backing 
up 202 into Belmont, the Boulevard to Spring Garden, westbound. Pasheyunk to South Street, the Boulevard to Belmont, the Blue Route out to 202, 95 southbound jams Cotman through to Gerard. Once you get to the Vine, westbound, it's heavy 95 to Broad Street. There's an accident that's off to the shoulder. Pennsylvania Turnpike westbound, slows Willow Grove to Fort Washington, Blue Route. Northbound, slowing McDade Boulevard to Route 1. Southbound, the Mid-County Tolls to the Schuylkill and then Route 1 to Media. 295 northbound at Route 130, an accident off to the shoulder. Uh, still the White Horse Pike, that's closed between Jackson Road and Cross Keys. A down uh, traffic pole and utility pole uh, from an earlier accident. 676 northbound, we've got the two right lanes closed now. Uh, and it is jammed from 42 to Martin Luther King Boulevard. This traffic report brought to you by Geico. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Having a home is hard work. So get a quote at Geico.com. And that's your traffic on 93.3 WMMR. Tomorrow night, you'll have the chance to get not only up close and personal with Marissa Magnata, but two of the ladies from this year's Totally Office calendar, Dominique and Nicole. It is an official Preston and Steve Totally Office calendar release, or I'm sorry, uh, what do we call those? Raid. <laughs> calendar raid. At Piccadilly Inn Piccadilly. in Shamong, New Jersey. So Marissa will be there, happy hour, 5 to 7. And uh, Kay says it's always a good time at Piccadilly because you've been oh. there before. It's oh, yeah. a good group of people coming out. So, lily, but... lily, lily, legs, lily, lily. <laughs> uh, Dominique <laughs> and Nicole will be at Piccadilly uh, along with Marissa tomorrow from 5 to 7. Stop by and get your free calendars, meet the gang. It's going to be a good time. All right, B5. WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's Bizarre Final. Brought to you by Robbins, Diamonds, and Tax-Free Delaware. Thousands of rings and self-serve cases. Absolutely no sales tax versus the 8% tax in Philly. Robbins, Delaware, Diamonds. A Tennessee man is behind bars again after officials said he decided to smoke marijuana while he appeared before a judge in court. He was actually smoking it right in front of the judge? Yeah, the incident occurred during a Wilson County court hearing on Monday as Spencer Boston, who faced a charge of simple drug possession, spoke to Judge Haywood Berry. While arguing in favor of the legalization of marijuana... Boston lit up, smoked a joint right there in court in front of everybody. It's probably not even legal to smoke cigarettes in the building. I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The act drew laughter from several spectators in the courtroom, but the uh, judge had him arrested. Then came the syringe. Now faces (laughs) charges of simple possession and disorderly conduct for that little move. And now for my next act, I'm going to shoot up. Yeah. A mom who discovered a daycare worker had written her a note... On the belly of her toddler, in large black letters, is trying to decide whether to send her children back after receiving an apology. The teacher who wrote the note also has been fired. Uh, The director of the Children's Education Center of the Islands on Sanibel Island. Sanibel. Sanibel. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Happy birthday. Sanibel Island. I'm going to stand in defense of this because both you and I, Preston, keep uh, little bins full of babies uh, as... (laughs) Because sometimes you run out of note paper. Yep, yep. They're easy to jot little yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the new office? Yeah. yeah. So we we what we do is that. you take a little hook and you hook them by their diapers up on the bulletin okay. board. Just remind you. We don't spend a lot of time in that office, so right. I didn't yeah, know yeah. about it either. Now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the director of on the Sanibel <laughs> Island, uh, Sanibel, <laughs> said the message Annabelle. written on the child Monday. <laughs> 
was a breach of professional ethics, and the teacher was fired. Okay. Uh, Sydney Carter DeCosta, the executive director, said the school has taken immediate action to remove the teacher from the school. We are reviewing protocols already in place to ensure that nothing like this occurs again. Has there been any clarification of what the note was? Well, despite DeCosta saying the school had met with the family and they were welcome uh, to remain, the mother of the toddler had a different response, said, I am so beyond frustrated, I will no longer take him there. Uh, Milo, who's 18 months old, while their daughter, Finley, is just three and a half years old, or her kids. Now, uh, she, Chisholm said that the daycare her son and daughter attended had placed a memo earlier in his belongings tell her that he needed more diapers. Okay. She said, I guess yesterday they wrote on his report that he needs diapers, and I failed to see that. Now, keep in mind, I see several teachers at drop-off and several at pickup. if I failed to see that he needs diapers. A simple, hey, Heather... Your son needs diapers. Uh, maybe you missed the report. Would have done the trick. Right. Yo, bro. When she got her son and her sister home and his sister home on Monday, she found a message and what looked like felt tip marker scrawled across the blonde haired boy's torso. And it said on it, Mom, I'm out of diapers. Please read my report. Written in felt tip pen? Yeah. Yeah, like a Sharpie. Come oh, on. So wait a second. Sounds like the kid wrote it himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the. Okay. Uh, I've scrubbed it with several baby wipes. Dearest mother, I'm low on diapers. Could you please provide some to me tomorrow when I return to daycare? And she said it wasn't coming off. Now, the the tough part of this is she can't find any other child care places that meet her requirements, so she may have to take the kids back there. But they fired the person that did it. There you go. You're good now. (laughs) A New Mexico State University student has been accused of shooting a classmate in an alleged hazing incident that resulted in his fraternity suspension. Miguel Altamirano uh, uh, was charged with felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon after he allegedly shot Jonathan uh, Silas in the leg as he pledged the Kappa Sigma fraternity. Hey. Don't you usually carry quarters in your ass and drop them into a cup? Isn't that part of the deal? Nick, are you Kappa Sig? I sure am. All right. Hey, Did you ever shoot somebody? No, not once. Altamirano could face as many as three years in prison if convicted as charged, but his attorney said the shooting wasn't intentional. He said the shooting happened as the students were joking around. Okay. Uh, well, if they're just joking around with loaded firearms, that's Altamirano okay. was expelled despite showing intense remorse for his actions. Uh, Silas, a criminal justice major, said the Kappa Sigma fraternity members pulled him aside and ordered him to turn around during an initiation event. He said that he was expecting to get hit with, get hit with a paddle <laughs> sure. uh, from behind, but he never imagined he'd be shot. You shot me! One of the guys pulled me to the side. He was like, uh, we didn't do this to you. And I was like, what are you talking about? We, we did not shoot you. And then he told me to turn around. And I was just like thinking they would hit me with a paddle or something like that. I wasn't too scared about it. He said he started to panic when he realized that the man had a gun. He said whenever I turned around, he reached in, pulled the gun out of the backpack, and I wasn't watching, but I heard a click, and then I started freaking out. That must be the most popular fraternity around. Uh, the university suspended Kappa Sig in December after a month-long investigation. The fraternity is suspended <laughs> until the uh, fall semester of 2024, by the way. If you can shoot pledges and they still want to be a part of it, that's amazing. No kidding. All right, and then one last story. A Largo, Florida woman was arrested Friday for misusing 911. She called and texted the number to make non-criminal complaints about her husband. Police said uh, Sylvia Shoemaker used 911 multiple times via text and phone to ask for things like a counselor and, quote, how to file for divorce. She called 911. Yeah. Police responded to her residence early Friday morning around 1.50 a.m. She was reportedly highly intoxicated when being questioned by police. 
and she was arrested and charged with misuse of the 911 system. And there you go. That is what I have in the bizarre file for you at this point. Uh, a reminder, you got roughly five minutes to get the word over to us. Word is radio today. This is for easy money, so you want to send it uh, through the contest short code, 45911. Or you can use the MMR mobile app or the contest page at WMMR.com. The word is radio. Radio. <laughs> Who needs the radio? All right, so radio... <laughs> What's that from? It's Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's when they say. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So good luck to you. We're going to take a break. When we get back, should have Chris Hardwick here in our studio. He's stopping by, which is very, very cool. Be performing at Helium Comedy Club, so don't go far. We'll be right back. Listen to all the WMMR podcasts as well as a live stream on your Alexa-enabled device. Just say, Alexa, open MMR. Hi, I'm Steven Singer. Yep, that's me, the I Hate Steven Singer guy. People ask me all the time, what does this mean, I Hate Steven Singer? Well, maybe this is the reason. At my store, we don't play pricing games. We wouldn't treat our friends like that. We only have one price. One place, one price. Come to my store and feel the difference. You'll have fun buying a diamond for somebody you love. Steven Singer Jewelers. One place, one price. 888-I-HATE-STEVEN-SINGER. Online, IHateStevenSinger.com. And our flagship store at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. Hey, it's Preston. Listen, thank you to Jack Frost Mountain for sponsoring today's podcast. Keep listening to the Preston and Steve show to find out when we're headed back to Jack Frost Mountain for the 14th annual Cardboard Classic. And visit jfbb.com anytime for conditions and to view their live webcam. JFBB, where the snow comes first. Back with more of the Preston and Steve show podcast. I have no idea how our next guest has time to do it between everything he does, TV shows and podcasts and voiceovers and stand-up comedy, of which he is on tour right now. We'll be at the Helium Comedy Club, and he managed to find a little bit of time to squeeze in for us. How the hell does that happen? No, I will always find time to squeeze in for you guys. That is Chris Hartwick. You're the nicest. You guys are so nice. Thank you, sir. I love doing doing your show. I really do. Thank you. And you were listening to our show earlier. I was. We were talking because we had Michael Giacchino, famed. Uh, composer. Who's a genius, by the way. Michael yeah. Giacchino is one of my favorite. I mean, not only is he like the greatest composer in entertainment right now, but he also, and someday I want to meet him because I want to ask him, he's composed the most amazing things, but I think my favorite thing he ever did was the theme from Lost. Yes. Oh, because yeah. he must have made a ton of money just to push one key on a keyboard <laughs> to go... <laughs> like that's it. I'm like, how did this guy do that? That, that show was live scored every week. So they would they would shoot the episode and yeah. then send him the episode, and he would live score, live compose it every week. It was a Herculean task, and uh, it was in- incredibly gorgeous music, stunning. Yeah. So listen, Chris, I want to tell you. Speaking of that, of yes. Lost and what you've done with The Walking Dead and the other shows that you've fanboyed out on and created entertainment outside of these shows in, in discussion and panels and all that. We did the same thing with Lost. We did. Way back when. It was a different time when you could talk about a show immediately after it aired. Oh, and people would be like, about spoilers! <laughs> right, yes. Totally. Yeah, pre-spoiler, so exactly. I, I actually say that our discussions, our weekly discussions the day after Lost would air, probably doubled our listening audience. Oh, I yeah. can imagine, because people need to process that stuff. But it's just, it's funny where, it's funny that spoilers now, like, if you told someone, yeah, you know, I, uh... 
I, I was selling drugs to high school kids. I'd be like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And they go, here's what happened on Breaking Bad last night. <laughs> you son of a... Like, I will murder you! You know, like, it, it's like the level of rage. Oh, you're right. So, Ed, spoiling. Yeah, to that point, Chris, right. I think you, you are a, a singular expert on this. And we've discussed this many times. And it, it's sort of a shame because we used to really delight in, in that communal thing of, of talking about Lost and the progression. What constitutes a proper amount of time after a show of import or impact is aired before you can start discussing it in public openly? I, you know, it it really is just because there's always going to be someone who's going to cry. Yes. Spoiler. Like we talked about The Godfather on the podcast once and someone was like, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Like that is not no. anyone else's problem. Yep. Yeah. When yeah. you say like spoiler now, you're basically saying like, why can't the rest of the world watch things on my schedule? Yeah. Now I get it. Sometimes. You know, people have life things that come up. They have career things that come up. They have families that they have to attend to. And so they might be behind like a week or two. But other than that, I remember in the early days of of Talking Dead, someone was really upset because something came out on Twitter that happened on The Walking Dead. And this person could not wrap their brain around. They were like, what, what am I supposed to do? Just not go on Twitter? It's like, yeah! Yes! If you yes! know that's where the conversation is going to be happening, yeah. don't go on until you've seen the thing. Right, yes. you, ha- you have to have some responsibility. So, just a little bit. A little bit. I understand if, if someone's a dig and just wants to spoil it for you and you get pissed off. Right. But yes, I mean, and also you could give it a little bit of a birth before you yes, go on Yes, of Twitter. course. And, yeah. and, and honestly, like, and I understand, and, you know, we, we started padding the beginning of Talking Dead with, um, you know... J- because sometimes people will DVR, yeah, and sometimes like they'll catch the beginning of Talking Dead, like at the end of an episode that's DVR that they right. haven't watched yet. Right. So we say, okay, now's your, you know, the show's just starting. Now's Smart. your chance. Smart move. Yeah. Want, so I do respect the idea of not <laughs> spoiling stuff, but also it's almost as though we've forgotten that we enjoy the process of things and not just the surprises of things. Absolutely. So I like things get spoiled to me all the time because people assume I've seen everything the second it comes out or <laughs> <Right>. before, <laughs> and I just don't bother. I just don't get upset. I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's a thing that happens. I can't wait to see how that unfolds. Right, agreed. Right. Agreed. You know, it's funny because uh, I have I have kids, and kids have no chill when it comes to spoiling. They like they just don't know, and they don't like right. they don't care. My my daughter went and saw a movie. I don't even say what movie it was. <laughs> and she came home from the movie, was in the house for about five seconds before she told me how it ended. And she's fourteen years old. And it, it was, was Endgame, wasn't it? <laughs> no, but but Lashawn McCoy talking about no chill. I mean, well, that's I, somebody. I, I went. I, I was on a date in college. Boy, this is just tell you how long ago this was. <laughs> I was on a date in college, and we 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 go to. And this was a first date. Yeah. And we go to see the Crying Game, which oh. I don't know if a lot of people remember, but yeah. it's an amazing movie. And. Um, there's when, a big reveal. At there's the end. a big reveal, yeah, and and she and we were sitting down. The lights were going down, and she says, "I can't believe it turns out." And she said the reveal, and I was like, "The <laughs> movie we just, like." And also, this wasn't like in a pre-internet era. How did yeah. she know that? So I do understand, and I I respect it. Uh, so at the beginning of this conversation, of course, speaking with you, we're going to lead it down a ton of different paths. Uh, we're going to talk about Paul. We're going to talk about Paul, <laughs> Paul because I said you were listening. We were talking to Michael Giacchino, and he was just meeting with Paul. But you had Paul on your podcast. I had Paul on the podcast. Yeah, he was on the podcast like five or six years. And th- people don't do Paul McCartney anymore. They just do. There's a lot of impersonations that are like Dana Carvey's SNL. <laughs> that would be mine. Mine's yeah. This is Paul, and then this is Rachel Philbin. You know, yeah. Yeah. but it, and this is the. It's all. It's all Dana Carvey. But um, yeah, Paul came on in like 2014, and he was incredible. Yeah. Like. 
and and I and I kind of knew because I'd had a weird experience with Harrison Ford where I just couldn't mash my fandom down. And it didn't go. It wasn't a disaster, but it wasn't great. I, I read about you uh, and you uh, reading an interview with you, and you were talking about how. And I, I could see this. I take full responsibility, but like that, I, but that I could see him being the kind of guy who doesn't suffer. No, that for a second. If he's giving you your time, you should be cool right, enough to right. be able to handle it. And I and I was just like. You know, I, I think I said something like, you know how hard it is not to ask you about Han Solo and Indiana Jones? And he was like, try harder. You know, so it was just like one of those. And so the best thing about it was that it, it taught me like, it, it was almost like riding a horse, like never be afraid. Just talk no. like, and so when Paul came in, I realized like I, a lot of people come at him. And, and and I think it makes, like, big mega celebrities uncomfortable because they don't want to – most of them don't want to feel like they're not part of the human experience. And when we put them on – like, if someone comes up to you like, oh, my God, you're the greatest – you know, it's off it, – it, it can freak people out. Well, I, I agree. And but, and but conversely, I also – we found many times that you'll get people in and then you hit that sweet spot where they're like – they almost do want to say, yeah, that was kind of cool, wasn't it? Of course. And when you get them in that zone, it's it's the best. But you're right. You have to. You have to get the defenses down first. Right. So we, we always, we long ago decided where either you interrogate a guest or you interview them and have a conversation. Conversation is the key word. Like, right. that's why there's, you know, I don't drink, but someone could start a drinking game of times on the podcast where people go, oh, did we start? Because and, yeah. not, and not that I would never leave anything in that they didn't that I felt was like if they were talking about their address or whatever. Right, right. But the point is, like, I want them to feel comfortable so that they know that it's a safe environment to hang. And so I just when Paul came, we went to his office in New York. He was the only person who came in, wow. which I also find interesting because I'm sure you guys have noticed, like, there are some like icons that just like to show up alone, and then people who are like fourth lead on a show, they show up with like nine people. Yeah. Like, what are, why do you have yeah. a posse? Hair yeah. and makeup. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. And Paul McCartney was like, hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, we just sort of talked to him, and he was so, he just wanted to be part of the human experience. And he said, mm. he said, you know, I would rather, than people try to take a picture, it's weird, I would rather people just say, hey, how's your day going? Like, he just wants to connect. Right. And, I, and, and so I asked him, there was that moment of, and I, do, I don't plan anything. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I just kind of see where it goes. But I was really curious to find out, like, that famous Ed Sullivan footage that everyone has their image of, of yeah. them, you know, like, them on the stage and the black and white. I was like, iconic. What was it like a second before the curtain opened? What did you see? And he, and he had a really great answer, and it was something like, you know, like the stage hands basically to the effect of like, don't F this up, you know, yeah. and these guys are about to go on national American television, which right. was huge at the time. And yeah. and he really seemed like interested and engaged. And he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal. And he's easy yes. to talk to. It's, yeah. a, it's a really good point about um, uh, people that you're interviewing. They're there because they want to be there most of the time. Right. They, they have something they want to talk about, something they want to sell, something they want to promote. So they're giving you their time. And um, that means that you have to have the courtesy of respecting them and what they want to talk about. Um, but uh, so people will ask us from time to time, who's the worst interview you've ever had? And, and we really haven't had many because most people who we've had a couple. Here, <laughs> there have been a few. Well, we've the had thing a is, that's why I said we haven't had many. Yeah. But um, we've had a few that were stinkers. Uh, but most of them are pretty good because people want to come in and, and share with you. Right. Right. That said, who was the worst one you've ever had? <laughs> well, there, it's not that there was a worst. I just think the the the. Rockiest one. Oh God, I didn't mean to say Rocky. <laughs> so it was still the, 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 yeah. the Rocky. No, it wasn't. Uh, I, I would love to have him. The, 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 the rockiest one was uh, was Harrison Ford. But yeah. again, I blame myself for that, not him. 
because he has kind of a a very dry sense of humor, right. and sometimes it's hard to tell like where the cranky ends and where that begins. Yeah, um, no, I can see that. But I do believe that most people, because a lot of famous people are just treated like objects. They're treated like objects, or people are trying to get clickbait stories out of them, right. and, or they just are, you know, they don't. And so it's like. You know, they want to connect. If you just talk to them yes. as if they're humans, they <laughs> might respond. And so I've had more positive in the thousand and whatever episodes we've done on the podcast. So many episodes of people that hugged me after were like, oh, my God, thank you for just letting me talk. And it's like, yeah, because, you, you know, like I don't want I'm not trying to exploit you. I just want to get to know you like yeah. we were having coffee. Right. But the but yeah, the Harrison Ford one, although I do think that because he had, you know, he had the he had the, uh, the plane crash. And after that, I had done events with him, and his whole demeanor had changed. Mm. Like, when he was doing the press for Ender's Game, he seemed a little cranky. But when he was doing Force Awakens, I mean, in Hall H, I moderated that panel, and he seemed so appreciative to be there. He was genuinely touched. Like, he was engaged. And I I, I don't know. So it was just like I saw a totally different guy. But, again, I still – I'm still going to take the blame on this because I (laughs) may – like, I had nervous energy – and at a certain point, you know when you feel when you. It's like you can feel you're about to fumble the ball, and then sometimes you can hold on to it, and other times you're just like, oh, in the slow motion, no, and you're just like watching it happen. Yeah, Chris, I wanted to ask you. Steve showed me this picture this morning, which is so cool. So you've you've married into uh, the Hurst family now. There's a picture of you. Doing something I've always wanted to do. Oh my god! Because I've been to the Hearst Castle, San Simeon. Yeah, and that's to jump into that indoor swimming pool. Oh yeah, pool. yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus, god. that's I, the coolest. It looks so awesome. It's it's okay. So for, okay, so I'm not uh. listen. I'm not trying to complain about it. It's no. an amazing experience, but it it's about as cold as jumping into this river. Is it really? Well, it's not heated. Oh yeah, you're right. And, and there's no sun getting to it. No, that the indoor there's an indoor and outdoor pool. Yes, and the indoor pool is. It is incredible. It's one of the most breathtaking, I mean, literally breathtaking experiences. But It looks like something out of uh, Caligula's yeah, well, uh, you, yeah, pool it, house. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's, it's, uh, I think that's the, the Neptune pool. I think that's the Neptune pool. Is that the Roman pool? Maybe the Neptune pool. And so it's, uh, well, that, that's my pool. Uh, <laughs> it's not that exciting. It's not that exciting. Yeah. It's like, just brick back there. No, no, that wasn't really, that wasn't really fit for Neptune, God of the Sea. But uh, It's gunite. But after, literally after like five minutes, you're in there and you're like, have I appreciated this enough now? Like you just start going hypothermic, but it is an incredible experience. Yeah, because when, when I took the tour, uh, they had mentioned uh, on the tour guide, they were like, and by the way, it's a $500 fine if you jump into this pool, you know, if you're on tour. And I was sitting there going. Maybe that hard. actually might be worth it. <laughs> I got five. I can just run to the yeah, ATM. I, 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 can, I can go with five. Yeah. Yeah. Is there an ATM? Sure. There is at the front. And it's sploosh. Wait, where is it? it? I'm sorry. What state? And it's, in California. California. It's, in Central, it's in Central California. So, it's stunning. Yeah, so Hearst Castle was built. Uh, my, my wife's great-great-grandfather was a man named George Hearst, who was a character in Deadwood. Uh, <laughs> and he was basically, um, uh, I think silver was his thing. So he bought, he, 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 mi- he found silver, silver deposits, and then like carried it all across the country with just a bunch of donkeys, and then bought a bunch of land. And then her great-grandfather, William Randolph Hearst, took that and built it into what is the sort of modern-day newspaper empire. An amazing story. And an, an yeah. ama- a- a- anybody who has never 
it's one of those things where I'm sure a lot of people in California have never gone. You're missing out. It's just a slice of, of it American is unbelievable. history. Yes. Yeah. So that was so that was her great grandfather's favorite spot. He and his father used to camp there, hmm. and so he basically built what is the world's greatest architectural salvage. Like if you like if you watch HGTV at all, yeah. and you're like, oh, we salvaged <laughs> this toilet. You know, like this whole structure, the Hearst Castle, which is now a museum. It was donated yeah. to the state in the 50s or 60s. They he would like. They they would disassemble castles in Europe, and and this amazing architect Julia Morgan, um, who was this brilliant architect, uh, um, would integrate it into the structures. And so, literally, every square inch of Hearst Castle is some priceless artifact yeah. of something, and it's just an incredible experience. I, I thought uh, of a name for your uh, your biography if it comes out: Swimming at San Simeon. <laughs> Swimming that's at a good San one. Simeon. That's a good one. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Now, that's a cool picture. I, I love it. And you post some really good stuff. On on, on uh, social media, and you know, a lot of friends were looking at a picture right now with local guy David Boreanis. David Boreanis, yeah, he was together. on the podcast. Listen, I love David Boreanis because you know there are some people in the business who uh, have just they just work over and over and over and over and over again, and then you know that in the entertainment industry, anyone can get lucky, but if they're kind of a jerk or there's anything that's crappy about them. They don't get. They don't keep giving. They'll be filtered out. Exactly. And, and he he started Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy, Angel, Angel Bones. Bones. Yeah. And, and and so he here's a, here's a guy. And anytime so anything sports related, you know, Casey will check in with him, and he calls up like when the when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. He yeah yeah. So he's he's tapped into. He's that. been he's yeah. literally been on a television show every. Now he's got Seal Team. He's been on a television show every season for like the last twenty five years. Crazy. And he what turns to be a great guy. Of course he was. A, oh yeah, he's got the Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> You, you know his father was a longtime weatherman here. I did okay. know that, yeah. yeah. And didn't he do like a more a kids show or something too? I, I thought he said his his dad did some kind of a. He did like a couple of things. I don't know if it was a kid show, but he did some stuff. He did like AM Philadelphia for a bit, and uh, yeah, Dave Roberts is a legendary uh, journalist in, in our town as well. And Boreanaz just never forgot his Philly roots. Huge Flyers fan. Mm-hmm. Talking about doing shows for, for for years, and 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 so we before you uh, we cracked the mics, we were talking about uh, Fear the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead and Talking Dead. And, and so as all of this is going along, and there's there's an ineluctable point at which, you know, this will all wrap up. At least that'll wrap up. Wa- the Walking Dead, the, the, the anchor show. Oh, God, don't say that. <laughs> you still do fear The Walking Dead. Uh, and again, I love Talking Dead, too, because to me it's it's the perfect, you know, wrap up to that whole thing. And Brain you, you, sorbet. You, yes, yeah, yeah, it is. And it allows you that, that experience we talked about earlier about sort of a communal airing of your grief of a character dies. Yeah, you so need so a forth. dopey guy to come on afterwards and be like, oh, none of this is real. It's not a documentary. Everything's okay. You so know, g- we're all g- fine. Given your druthers, though, and I've been thinking about this, as the show has gone on, and, and, and I've, I've vacillated and in and out of, oh, it's okay, it's in a bit of a lull. Understanding that shows go through that. Um... Is there? Every, by the way, not to interrupt, but every show has their season where Jack and Kate are in cages for five episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paolo shows right, up. Right, and, right. And so with that, with that, uh, is there a point before this at which you would have picked to be the, the the optimum point for The Walking Dead to wrap up so you could have your 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 ultimate conclusion show and your you know no, what I'm saying? No, because it, I mean the thing about the show it, the, about the way that it works is that. It's all about this sort of survival, and the yeah. show itself is kind of surviving. And so it's spinning out characters. We lose characters. We, lo- I mean, it is sort of like an allegory about life. Yeah, who would you? Who are you in times of great tragedy? Who do you become when circumstances change? I, I, like we in in life, people come, people go. It's true. We lose people. We gain new people. And so, I 
you know, like that has been the most profound experience of my career because the community of Walking Dead fans are so lovely and it it's just a really nice rarefied television thing to be a part of and so have you ever seen a show transcend it's i mean where you can look at the people the actors who have played characters you've just watched on the show on your show yeah and they almost appear to be entirely different people that they've they've so ingrained themselves as these characters that they can sit and talk about the character and you're thinking oh that's completely someone else you know, you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah of course because they have to live i mean you know acting is is professional pretending of yeah. course but you know like it's but your body doesn't know like if you're running around <laughs> screaming crying you know right. you know wielding an axe or whatever running in fear of your life like it it does take a toll especially if they're away from their families and whatnot but i do think because walking dead's in its 10th season and now we're in our ninth we came on in season two of walking dead and you know sort of like you said you vacillated in and out it is like we you do form a long-term relationship with a show and so sometimes things that used to titillate and surprise you are like ugh, that again you know yeah yeah because you grow and change and then you constantly and so it, it it is like a partnership, yeah. you know. Like sometimes the show can, like any show, can let you down, but other times you're like, I'm just, I don't want to see your face right now, <laughs> you know. And so, but, and then and then Have you had like, those moments? oh, I really miss, I really miss your face right now. And yeah. so then you kind of slide back in, and so that's what's really great because I don't know, by the way, with all the streaming services that are launching, it's we're in this tectonic shift yeah. in entertainment yes. that's never happened yeah. before, yeah. and so. People are shifting to streaming services. No one really knows, like, what television or streaming is going to look like in three or five years. Is there going to be cable? Is it just going to be, like, apps, you know, on Apple TV? And so what I can tell you about streaming services is that that streaming services are less – there's no real incentive for them to do, like, ten seasons of a show. Right. Because the streaming service – it, you know, from what I understand, they need to keep you subscribing for 18 months because if you're subscribed for 18 months, you'll be subscribed forever. It's a part of your habit. Hmm. You've folded it into your personal economy. You'll never unsubscribe. And so for them to do more than like three seasons of a show, like there's this curve where it doesn't gain them any new. Now, of course, there are, you know, shows like Handmaid's Tale or Stranger Things that win awards that they'll probably keep doing those. But in general, we're starting to see the end of the, you know, Big Bang Theory, Walking Dead, where shows go on for, you know, 10, 12 seasons. And so this might be kind of the end of an era it as is. we shift to a shorter... Huh. It, it's a double-edged sword because I, there are shows that I've loved that got, that went on for a long time. Like for me, I, you know, everyone talks about uh, um, uh, Breaking Bad is one I still have to. And you did talking uh, uh, bad. But the the um, you know the multiple seasons, uh, Next Generation for me had one of the the best wrap ups of, of any series I've right. ever seen. You get that long thing as you said. You, you're they're part of your family, your ritual. You, you know, it's in so and, easy and, to whiff that. Like exactly. there are so many shows where yeah. it's just where it's just impossible because. You you know like how many people were divided by the Sopranos ending or Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones you know and it's like there but the truth is it's so difficult because shows become so personal to us now we really absorb them into our identity that it it can be really hard to land be really hard to land yeah, a you're show right. in, you're a, right. in a way. Uh, so I'm actually catching up on Fear of the Walking Dead the same way I did on when I started watching Walking Dead because I didn't really watch it to begin with. And then I, I, um, 
uh, what do you call that? Binge the first two seasons right. on like like DVD, which and has then... never had a positive connotation. That word and never had a positive connotation in our culture. Yeah. Binge means to consume to excess. We usually end up throwing up or in the hospital after a binge, and so now we're just like we're doing this as entertainment. So you binged Fear. So so I'm 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 in the process of binging Fear, and uh, you know I I kind of got off, and now I'm back on. I got around Christmas time, and I'm really really into it. And I'm hoping at some point, because there's been like a little bit of a crossover, I'm hoping that there's going to be a point where Walking Dead is in such a bad, dire way, and there's no way out of it, and there's going to be like this endgame thing, like where the portal opens up, and all the people from Fear the Walking Dead come in and save the day or something like that. Well, the graphic novels have, have they're, they're, now we're, we're coming down to the... They ended them. They ended well, them, Well, yeah. they, Robert Kirkman ended them. Earned them. Earned them. Quite them. suddenly to the public's, from the public's point of view, I, and I didn't even know it was ending. I don't think anyone really knew it was ending and then all of a sudden I just saw let's see all these news like Walking Dead graphic novel ends like what? <laughs> have you do you have any desire to be in an episode as a zombie or just a dude who takes a hatchet to the face or Well, I don't Oh man, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I would love to. Well, here's the thing. I I I was always hesitant because I didn't want to be the thing that took people out of the show. Yes. They're like, oh, that's Chris Hardwick. You know, because I respect the show and I respect the fans. And from early, from season, the first season that we were on, Greg Nicotero has always said, like, come on down, I'll make you a zombie. And I went through zombie makeup in the first season of Talking Dead, and it is intense. <laughs> I, like, I cannot tell you how much respect I have for the extras who, in the in the Atlanta heat, oh my all God. day long, they are covered in prosthetics head to toe. They might be, like, trapped in something because it's a gag. And, you know, and they have to stay hydrated and not, you know, like... Pass out. Not pass out. And so... Because I went through it, I had the makeup done once, and then the removal process is a whole separate process. I was a little shy, like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but this season, I, f- I think I've been, I've been saying, like, when they go back, they usually start shooting in May, that I might need to go do it before I lose it, my chance to know ever what? do it. Here's the deal. Just being an episode for about 10 seconds, yeah. okay? You're a guy who uh, has created a landmine field, right? No, and there it is. Yeah, that's that's the that's the zombie makeup that Nicotero's team did. Oh, we that's cool. Good. And cool. you need to be unrecognizable <laughs> because that, as you said, you don't want to pull the audience out of that moment. Right. Know? Unless unless you're only in it for ten seconds, and you know your head gets blown off, and you know, like, hey, there's Chris. Oh wait, there he goes. He's right. Done. I think that would be funny. I think. Well, that. <laughs> That would be really funny. But in this I, post-apocalyptic world, that would be a scream. Well, I don't think I would have survived the apocalypse that long. <laughs> no. Like, they're, they're years into the apocalypse sure, now. Yeah, I never, yeah. I would have survived, like, a week. Right, My right. wife has the survival skills. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Judith good to, good is to know your limitations. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've said to my wife before, like, well, I'll just get behind wherever you... Because she was taking, like, machete... Training classes and well, you let's know, remember you almost didn't survive the pool at San Simeon. Didn't, so oh, right. so, so <laughs> that's a very I, yeah, fair it's, point. It's a fair the point. pool <laughs> almost killed me. I don't think global apocalypse. I have much of a right. chance. Yeah. yeah, you don't want the guy in the apocalypse. We're like, this water is really cold. You <laughs> know, like, uh, just shove him in. We're like, just throw him at the. Right, right. You, we'll throw him at the zombies and we'll make a run for it. Chris, yeah. I want to ask you. You, you mentioned that this tectonic shift that has happened and yes. um, the way that we consume and the way that we own. Our or think that we own movies and content is really evolved. We're kind of borrowing. Well, it, it, totally. And so there, uh, I want to ask you about your opinion on Star Wars because it used to be, for me, growing up as a kid, this thing that you enjoyed, that you loved, and, and it became very personal to you. And then the prequels happened and whatever. The, you know, they weren't great, but they were what they were. They were a revisitation to the Star Wars universe. The last three, episodes seven, eight, and nine, 
um, people have just gotten angry about all of it. Well, and, and to me, it's, it's removed some of the joy of what this universe was when I was a kid. It's not just Star Wars. It's everything because, again, it's sort of what I was saying before is that people personalize stuff. And, and the loudest voices on the Internet tend to be the angriest ones because people who are fine with things or they're happy in general, they don't go, I should go online and yell about how happy I am. You That's know? right. Yeah. And like this sort of cycle of outrage that we're in with social media, it generates clicks. And, it, and, and so people are hyper aware of hyper, every aspect. It's engaged. Yeah. But, but I think it's a very small, I mean, I, I think the illusion of the internet, and I wonder if social media will be the kind of thing where in 50 years that the, that scientists will look back on like we do as best as and be like, I can't believe people lived around that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, because it's just, it I can be, so. it can be very toxic, you know, but I think it's a very small percentage. You know, they're doing all these studies now where they're finding out that you know, if you look at social media, you, you things seem to be very polarized with entertainment and politics or religion or whatever it is. And what they're finding is that, like, social media represents, like, 14% of the population. And that's yes. not even the most – and that's not even, like, 14% of those – the 14% isn't even, like, all active. It's just – so, like, most people – you know, aren't screaming about Star Wars in any direction. Of course, all opinions are welcome. If you're a fan, you are you are totally free to hate Walking Dead or Star Wars or whatever. You know, when it starts to get to that point of like, we should track these people down and burn their head. It's like, okay, that's not yeah. just right? expressing your opinion. Yeah. That's when the uh, the Secret Service steps in. But also, you don't have to like, you also don't have to engage with that stuff. You have every right to, if you enjoy like. Uh, I didn't hate the Last Jedi. Like I didn't hate it, and so then people are and people got real angry at that. And it's like, well, I, it was fine. You don't get to see Yoda. I don't know what do you want. Yeah. So it, I didn't hate the second trilogy. I, people freaked out about. I mean, I listen. Phantom Menace. Uh, the right. Issues. Well, well, no, you're wrong about that. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but I'm you know kidding. what I'm saying. I mean, there, there were there there are moments. But you're right. I think most most people say I can find something here, unless it's a staggering. St- piece of crap but still to your point about the way people use social media i think there had to be the the way it became so toxic but now people are aware how toxic it is Mm. so the so you just kind of know like when a star wars comes out like some people are not going to be happy about it they're they're going to want to they're going to want to kill it before it even comes out and that's just that's just part of it you know and so it's not steve and i've never we we love all these genres stuff we never hated a movie you and i will 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 kind of give our review to each other and go, yeah, it was good. Yeah, did you get some entertainment out of it? Yeah, I did. Was it a great movie? Not really. So there's no no need to. It, but it also, but, but also, as me. you start to get older yeah. and you you start yeah. you start to get more checked in with life stuff, you just start to feel like, oh, who cares? You know, like yeah. it's we're who all gonna. Die. Oh, like, I, like, I care. like I have a family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know. I'm, yeah, and but so, you still care. I know. I do you still I know care, you but still not care. to the, not to the level of like. I gotta tear everything down because you know my childhood's ruined. Yeah. Look, just, if you, just because you didn't like a Ghostbusters or Star Wars, or they don't come and take your DVD of original of New Hope or yeah. original Ghostbusters. You're like, okay, this new one's coming out, so unfortunately, you're not gonna be able to watch this old anyway. It's like I, you still got to have all those experiences, but also when we're kids, like we see things in a different way, like. You know, like our our horizons expand, and so that experience, those experiences get harder to have the older you get because you've just seen so much stuff yeah. that the the ability to be surprised as you get older 
changes. And, no, you're and, right. And we yeah. tend to like romanticize nostalgia. And believe me, I built a whole industry off romanticizing <laughs> nostalgia. I get it. I do it. Mm-hmm. But I also just think that you know, it's like, hey, sometimes we can go outside and go. You know what? It's uh, <laughs> th- there's no like today. There, it's a little cold, but there's not a cloud in the sky. It's yeah. beautiful. Philadelphia is a beautiful town. Like it's it's nice. It's yeah. nice. Chris Hardwick, if you're, you're just joining us, and he'll be at a Helium Comedy Club uh, tonight, Friday, Saturday. The shows are going to sell out. Maybe so. I should turn in my nerd card, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't need to get so upset about a movie. Like, what, what am I saying? No, no, no. But I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. And, and in that, we, as to Preston's point about liking liking the simple enjoyment of living in an age where there is nothing that cannot be realized on screen. You know what it is, Steve? I care about people. And, you know, like in my podcast, yeah. I do these things that I add at the end. These kind of like, I call them idiot raps because the show's called ID10T. And so it's just sort of like these stream of consciousness things. I genuinely want people to feel happy. I yeah. want them to feel good. I want, you know, I advocate for mental health. I want people to feel supported. And so I do get sad when I see people get so enraged because I get that poor person is not like... Like, it's not, it can't just be about this thing. And no. I, just, I just hope that they find the peace and happiness that yeah. they deserve. So it is, I do, I do kind of feel bad sometimes for humanity because I was like, oh my God, you guys, can't we just it's calm down? down. Yeah, just your, please. Your, your original Ghostbusters copy is at home and it's, it's still there. It's still there. Bankman is in it. He's there. You know, they have the original jumpsuits on. Oh my God. Did you guys see the movies that made us on Netflix? Yes. Oh, oh my God. That's so good. So there was a series on Netflix called The Toys That yeah. Made Us and then they yeah. made the movies yeah. that made us. Okay. The movies that made There's only like five of them right it's, now. I think it's four. It's Dirty yeah. Dancing, uh, Die Hard, Home Ghostbusters. Alone, and Ghostbusters. Yeah. And it is, and, and they just give you a total behind the scenes how the Ghostbusters one is mind-blowing. They made that movie start to finish in ten months. And the special effects house broke away from ILM and they go, look, they're, you know, <laughs> There wasn't a lot, you know, like, go, don't look too closely at these scenes. And they kind of zoom in on stuff, and you're like, oh, my God, the effects don't match right there. And it, it was such an interesting to see how I that movie it. got made. I love oh. it. In fact, the series is so good. And it's something that caught me off that, too. In Die Hard, Preston, when Alan Rickman is is dropped off the building, when he's hanging. Yeah, I remember that. So they had the, they had the, and Rickman says, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do the, I'll do the thing. You know, just let me know how it's, how it's going. And the, the stunt guy, purposely, and the director, uh, who is it? Um, John McTiernan? It, John McTiernan. Yeah. To get the reaction, did the classic, okay, on three, one, and let him go. No so, kidding. So when he, when he gets that look on his face, like, ah, holy ass. It's legit. That's a shock. Oh, there's yeah. the look. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever see, you ever see the, the wor- the, this is the, like, one of the worst pranks I've ever seen on the internet where a guy's mm-hmm. bungee jumping, <laughs> and they go, okay, one, two, three, and he jumps, and they have a second bungee cord. And they throw it. They go, no, 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 no. So the entire way down, the guy just thinks he's falling to his death. You can have a heart attack. And then, you know, he obviously, the thing gets tension. And then they're laughing. They're like, what? Kind of, don't <laughs> never speak to these people again. That's horrible. I mean, but great. I, I well, firstly, yeah. I would just I would have drowned in my own poop. Like there's, <laughs> no, I never would have survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fear of that. <laughs> that's 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 almost beyond. No, cruel. you can legit have a heart, heart attack. attack. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course you can. Oh, oh, is this it? Oh God, oh, no, I can't. This is just so upsetting. Oh God. Uh, so. Oh, oh it's so upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is awful. You can see his limbs oh, flailing oh, the whole time. Oh my God. 
There's one because people will f around like that, and there's that that story that was from a, just oh look at this guy's cra- a sprayer. Cra- oh, I think he's like flipping yeah, off everyone. Yeah, where they, they the the girl pushed the other girl off that. Bridge Preston, you remember yeah, that? Her, yeah. Broke her ribs. Oh, her no. Because she wasn't prepared for the things. Oh. Hey, it's, a, it's a little joke. No. Sometimes they can go awry. Yeah, so, yeah. no, that's that's no fun. Yeah. That's no fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, uh, I wanted to ask you, do you miss doing uh, radio? You started off as a jock. Well, I think that's kind of why I started the podcast. Yeah. Because I missed I missed radio, but I did not miss the hours. Uh, I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> you were on the legendary KROQ. I was K-Rock. on K-Rock midnight to five. I did the overnight mm. shift. Oh, wow. And yeah. then... Um, so it was Kevin and Bean in the morning? And, yeah, it was uh, Kevin Richard, and Bean. Richard Blade was on? R- Richard Blade right. was there, who's now over at uh, New- First, First Wave. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and let's see, who uh, uh, Corolla was on. Was Kimmel and around Kimmel was on. Okay. Yeah, so I was there... I was I had just started working at MTV and I got a job at K Rock right when Singled Out was premiering, and so that was a very like for so for a year Kimmel was there and then he went off to do after a year or two he went off to do Win Ben Stein's Money right yeah and then Which we got the Man Show and everything. yeah exactly yeah. and then Corolla kind of blew up too and then Carson Daly came over from Live 105 up in in San Francisco he came down and started working at K Rock and then he went over to MTV so K Rock was really the sort of funnel for pop culture at the time and it was. And I left K Rock to go do a morning show at another station that um, uh, does not. It's, it's Spanish now, but I, um, I I do not miss the morning show schedule <laughs> at all. What was harder, uh, overnight or mornings? Uh, mornings by a, a lot because with overnights you just stay up. And I was twenty two, right? And right, so yeah, it yeah. was easy to do that. But like getting up for mornings, yeah, oh. staying up's different than getting yeah. up. You then getting be up, responsible. Well, yeah, because you you guys like I when I when I did mornings for like I think I did it for ten months, nine or ten months. And it would be like seven o'clock at night, and I'd be like, "Guys, this is my two a.m. Yeah. I have to go." Oh, yeah. to I, bed. I just never, I just never acquiesce to that. Chris, I go to, I go to sleep, or I go up to bed at ten. I go to sleep at eleven. I wake up at three forty-five. Oh God, we've been yeah. doing it for twenty-three years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. not. <laughs> that's very Ben Franklin of you, though. Go to bed when you're tired. Wake up when you're sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. How, I just don't I, know I how take you do naked it. baths in front of open windows. That's oh, totally, I, I, totally, I totally, totally. Yeah. But also, you know what you need to do is you just need to grow the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, and just get the tiny little... But your schedule now has just got to be all over the place, I would imagine. It is, but it's manageable, like, because I'm... Because, like, the wall, the wall's coming back soon, and but we already shot all those episodes. We shot, we shot like, 19 episodes in 10 days, what? and so... They'll, that's, so that's, as a game show host, that's, yeah. that's got to be another cool thing, It's right? amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so that's on NBC, and then the Talking Dead's just on Sundays, and so... I've been focusing on tour because so I'm that's doing, live. Talking Dead is live. Talking Dead is live, and uh, yeah, and my tour, the stand up, because I've been doing a lot of music in my stand up now, and so I've been Jesus. like practicing. I started taking guitar and piano last a year ago, and so now I'm doing all this weird, all these weird <laughs> dumb songs in the set. So it's cool though. I mean, it's been it, really fun. It's a good yeah, time. by the way, yeah. So it's called the Wizard Guitar Tour. Yeah, because I have a wizard. I have a guitar with a wizard painted on it. <laughs> really? Yeah. So what kind of guitar is that? No. It's a Martin. It's like one of the lower oh. end Martins. Yeah. Uh, and We've so, got guitars here. Yeah, and so it's. I just bought a lower end Martin because Martins are just good guitars. Yeah. And I mean, I don't. I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I'm just saying. I just <laughs> they're good guitars. And so I. Um, uh, and then I had a friend of mine who's an artist. I think it's on Instagram. Like it's painted. Uh, it 
it it basically I was like I just want it to look like the side of a van with like a dragon and a wizard and kind of D and D themed. Yeah. And she knocked it out of the park. And so now this is the guitar that's touring you, with me. You should go visit the manufacturing plant. It's in Bethlehem. It's right here, yeah. Oh, it's it is. Yeah, yeah, it's right yeah, down yeah. the way. And you're here for a few days. They would give you the grand. Tour, I would I'm love sure. that. I have. I mean, I I have the birth I have, of the Chris Hardwick uh, uh, edition guitar. There you go. Mm, I, I think I, <laughs> we're pretty sure some things are probably not going to happen. That might be one of them. Uh, and so, it, it, but I have like some vintage guitars that are way nicer than I have any business having, and I have like a, a 1957 Martin. Wow, that is wow. stunning. Do, I wonder if they have the pieces of the one they probably that, do that got broken on the Hateful Eight. Oh, set. Ah, that's Did you hear about that one? No. no, yeah. So the story I heard was, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. Although I'm sure the internet will correct me. <laughs> uh, the story I heard is that Martin loaned the that production, like this, you know, 19th century Martin guitar. And um, I guess Kurt Russell didn't know that oh, and, geez. like, smashed it in a Pulled scene. Pulled the Townsend moment. Yeah. yeah. Moment. And then they were like, Gah! I mean, again, I don't know if that's a real story. I've heard that story. Legend, yeah. But, uh, oh but, if, but if the Martin guitar people want me to come to their factory, I will not break any guitars. <laughs> All right. Well, our old intern, Jake Matera, is He's open. opening for He's me opening for you tonight, tonight and Saturday. And Saturday. He's a one hell of a guitarist. Oh, yeah. is he really? He is. Yeah. No I didn't lie. know that. Yes, he is. Oh, my gosh, that's so great. Yeah, they sent me a set of his, um, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I don't have an yeah. MC, And so they sent me a set of his. I'm like, oh, this guy's really funny. And so, yeah. and and as soon as he said, as soon as he said the sentence, my wife's Avengers tattoo, I was like, oh, this guy. You knew No brainer. Well, listen, if you want to see Chris while he's in town, he's going to be at Helium. And uh, the Saturday 10 p.m., or I'm sorry, the 7.30 show on Saturday is sold out. That's usually an indicator the other shows are going to sell out. Fast. So keep that in, t- uh, in mind. Tonight, 8 o'clock, Friday, 7.30 and 10, and then Saturday, just the 10 o'clock show. So you can get the tickets at heliumcomedy.com. Do not miss your opportunities. A busy man. Who knows when you're going to be in Can town I also again. just throw some compliments your way and say, <laughs> listen, morning radio is hard to <laughs> fill five hours every day. When I did it, I thought it would be really easy, and it turns out it's not. <laughs> and <laughs> to talk for five hours straight. Yeah. And so I appreciate what you do, and I also appreciate that you guys are just so nice and just always so fun and funny and knowledgeable and pleasurable to talk to. So no, thank you for having that. me in Thanks, every time. Man. Anytime, anytime. Absolutely. And I hope, uh, hope Paul comes back. <laughs> Please, don't Paul to come oh, back Preston, how have you been? After, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was worried about you. You were so nervous the last time we spoke. Was it uh, 93, was it? Uh, yeah. and, uh, he remembers clearly. You yeah. know, my manager said that uh, we were just going to meet you, and I was like, no, let's give him 15 minutes. <laughs> let's give him a whole time. Could have been worse. You've, oh. got, a, you've got an hour with Paul. Uh, you know, there. Preston, I've saved that recording. Why don't we listen to it right now? <laughs> Oh, here it is. <laughs> Thank you so much. Chris Hardwick, yeah. guys. We'll take a break and be right back. Stay with us. Uh. Preston and Steve's Cardboard Classic from 93.3 WMMR and Pacifico Beer. Friday, March 6th at Jack Frost Mountain, where the snow comes first. The sled-deemed best design scores a $2,000 cash prize. The best Live Life Anchors Up theme scores $500 and beer for a year from Pacifico. Sprint has $500 for the fastest sled. There's $300 for the coolest Jose Cuervo-themed sled. And somewhat of a gag gift for Preston and Steve's favorite fail. Mandatory sled registration through March 1st at WMMR.com. For the MMR VIP lift ticket pre-sale, 
sooner you buy, the less you pay. Through February 23rd. Lift tickets are just 10 bucks while supplies last at WMMR.com. Preston and Steve's Cardboard Classic at Jack Frost Mountain. Sponsored by Chorus Photography and Sprint. Brighter future for all. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Our next guest is going to be at uh, Punchline, and you can catch his shows tonight, 8 o'clock, Friday and Saturday, 7.30 and 10.15. We're happy to have him back in our studio. Please welcome Mr. Bruce Bruce yeah! to the program. How you guys doing? Great. How you doing, Bruce? Man, I'm absolutely wonderful. <laughs> Are you absolutely I am. Are I you think you praying? mispronounced the word a little bit, but that was okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you, you apologize immediately. You didn't do like the lady did in L.A., you know. Oh yeah! Oh, Come on. Wait, what's this? oh, so she went to say Lakers, but she put oh, an boy. N on the oh, front yeah. of yeah. Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have seen the brother's eyebrows go up. <laughs> oh. yeah, I was in the barbershop. Did she say what I think she said? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the brothers get crazy. When you, you know, there's that. and there's been times when that's happened, and it's so clearly just a flub. And when you do, you spend so much time talking on a microphone. Oh yeah, and then everyone just goes right to outrage. And we all do it. In fact, we've done yeah. entire segments. We lists will be kept of the time we've missaid things. Oh, yeah. And it's just na- it's just natural. But, but you know, in the hood, it's said all the time. You know, I'm just let you guys in on that. You know, it's meant what? to say, and they say it. It's really? not a mistake. What? What? Oh, my Are God. Are you serious? Even preachers say it. Even you know? preachers? <laughs> yeah. That, that's a mind blow. You yeah, think they would say that? Yeah. <laughs> but they meant to say it. It wasn't like I messed up. It's like they right. meant to say it. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, Bruce, Bruce, my, my son, he's uh, 12 years old. He listens to a lot of rap and and that word is used in a lot of rap songs. Oh, my goodness. And so he sings along. And I got to tell you, he's really, really good at stifling all of the curse words. Does, does, not, does not, he, just, not just the big ones. Does he bleep out? He just, no, he, uh, he, just, he, he, he just, um, he'll be rapping and you'll hear him go like, blah, 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 you know. And oh, so yeah. like a, mm, mm. Okay. And so he wow. does it for the F word, like because wow. he knows he's not allowed to curse. I mean, in the good, house. For yeah. good for him. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like that in the hood. <laughs> they say everything. They say every single word. But you open a book and they don't know what's going on. <laughs> right, you yeah, follow yeah. me? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They can listen to a rap song and know every word, but when it's time to do your schoolwork, they have no clue. It's <laughs> funny because my dad and I, they, the guys on the show here, know it. Growing up, he had a, a super foul mouth, but also spoke the king's english so we were always getting right. great vocabulary mixed with uh, as spongebob calls them sentence enhancers right so um yeah and we would get both sides so it was it, it was a weird dynamic but you know yeah it, it's it's interesting when you're trading in regular language for just expletives right you're gonna end up paying for it in the long well, run. well it's like telling your kids not to lie but you lie in front of them <laughs> so the kids are confused it's true like, what? Yeah. you just told a lie you told me not to lie but you just lied to the insurance man about the policy right <laughs> 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 but then you lie they beat you to the death man, listen, you know what we harp on our, our kids uh, not making a mess and everything and then you look at our bedroom right it's right. a wreck and now, I'm like, I don't and know what kind of mother you not valid. my mother was crazy yeah, yeah. Yeah. oh my mother was a wrestler really Oh, she didn't play. One time, I, you know how you talk junk and just walk off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just talk, I did that and walked off. She put me in the sleep hole. She, she came behind me, <laughs> put me in the sleep hole, and whispered in my ear. She said, if you see the light, walk to it. <laughs> so I'm like, this lady is a murderer. <laughs> but you had a strong mother, a good oh, strong she mother. She didn't play, man. Yeah. yeah. I had respect for her. And I got an aunt now, 80. I'm still scared of her. You grew up in Atlanta? Oh, born and raised. Still in the live hood. there? In the hood, yeah. I grew up in the hood. Yeah, that's what I was reading. The bluff is at Oh, the yeah, area? the bluff. Yeah. And it's called, I don't know if you remember this, Bankhead. Like, they do the Bankhead Bounce. That's the area yep. I raised there. But they changed the name and they... 
doing the gentrification thing. So as guys are jargoning, I'm like, do you know where you're at? <laughs> you're still in the hood. <laughs> it's new houses, but so, the hood guys are still there walking out of bushes. <laughs> so guys with man buns are coming right, by. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, I, I go over there and I'm like, cautious. I'm like, it's not when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was I was in it. It yeah. didn't bother me. But now I'm like looking around. Yeah. I'm trying to see what's going on. How often do you get back uh, back home? All the time. I go yeah. in out every week, but I live in the suburb area. And I done moved on up, you know, big time. People are jealous. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. They know you in the hood, though? They know no, who they Bruce, know Bruce is. Yeah. yeah. Now, I live next to doctors, lawyers, judges, you know. Right, right. They all straight forward. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only hood dude in the suburb. <laughs> it's better to be that way, right? It is, man. Because I know. Well, you know, when you're from the hood and you see something, you know it. You're like, yeah, yeah. Like like this guy was delivering a package across the street, and I looked at his car, and he had a little magnetized sticker on the car to like UPS. I'm like, that's not UPS. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And I called the lady. I said, are you getting a package? And she put the camera on. She said, no, he's stealing my package. Oh, man. And we called him. You know, we called him. Very cool. I stood there. But I know, you know, UPS just don't do that. They got brown, big trucks. <laughs> right. This dude had a minivan, soccer van. And he even had the uniform on. It was He had the shirt, but he didn't have the pants on. Like, He's out of uniform. Was so, UPS misspelled? <laughs> probably wasn't. You know, because I got a buddy called it Ups. Yeah. <laughs> ups. You know, I worked at Ups. Are you talking about UPS? <laughs> ups. Do, yeah. you, do you have, the like, the ring cameras and stuff oh, yeah. on your Got house? Yeah. Oh, I can see you coming in the neighborhood. I don't care. I just sit there and <laughs> doop, hit the button. Oh, you're coming through the gate, huh? Okay. <laughs> They're I'm great, man. You, when you're from the hood, you are cautious of everything. Yeah. It's, you know it, what I'm saying? It's not so. My, my mother, oddly enough, we grew up in the suburbs, but I was born in, in Manhattan and, you know, and, and uh, Columbus Circle and, and uh you know, not not a, a similar story to, to that, but it was, for some reason, she just always had this sense of security. Like oh, yeah. you always locked the screen door, you always yeah. you always locked your doors and the, all that stuff. And I'm glad she did that. Yeah, she, you know, she, she knew what was coming. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> your grandparents put plastic on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> they knew the Jerry Curl was coming. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything is plastic down. They actually had somebody custom make it. It was a guy who came over and custom made it, and it fit the pillows and everything. Oh yeah, because they knew the Jerry Curl was coming. Right? Uh, <laughs> my friend Randy Kostanowicz, his mother had done the. It was a classic. The living room, everything. Oh, yeah was sealed in plastic. You slide right off the sofa. <laughs> and then there were plastic runners that you yes, had to yes. walk like, on. Wait, wait, yes. My piano teacher, and I thats I think that's why I never followed through with playing the piano because I hated going to her house. Yeah. She had the 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 um, runners and then <laughs> the couches, the pillows, yeah. everything. And it crunches when you... Yes, you know, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're walking on potato chips, right? <laughs> yeah. But they got it. You're not going to mess that. For, my grandmother had a, a bed. I bet she had 17 comforters on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If yeah, you yeah. lay in the bed, you could not move. Like, when she put the cover on you, you can't move. You can't toss and turn. Well, you got to stay in one spot like, oh, my God, I'm in prison. Well, you know the big thing now are those, you see those weighted blankets that are like 25 pounds? Oh, yeah. They made. They're all the they, big, yeah. Yeah. The big things. Oh, man, my grandmother had one she made. It was like <laughs> crocheted. You know what I'm saying? And it, it was like seven layers. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
You're not going to move. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do your body. No way. Keeps you warm, though. Oh, yeah, yeah you It warm. does. Keeps you, keeps you immobile is what it but does. But you wake up with a back problem, right? <laughs> you can't move because your back has been in that spot for the longest. Hey, Bruce, I want to ask you. We've got the, the Philadelphia Auto Show is coming up in yeah. a couple weeks here. Yeah. Uh, and I know you're a big car guy. You know I am, man. Uh, you still collecting? I or, do. Yeah? You're Working a Buick guy, right? Buick. Yeah, I got a 65 Skylight I'm doing now. So wow. Convertible. Found it in California, Rust Free. Yeah, and a guy had it on eBay for like fifty nine hundred, and he had one more day. I think it was like another day before he take it off, and he he had a bid of thirty nine hundred. We bid it four thousand. He got it. Nice. Mm. So what 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 are your what are your car chops? Can you do any restoration yourself, or do you just hire oh, no, somebody? I hire, to do it? I'm like yeah. the boss. <laughs> I don't do no work. Man. I, you know, I told about a pimp earlier. Pimp don't do any work. <laughs> I just appoint. You do the interior. You do the car. You do the motor. You do that. And that's it, man. I'm I inspect it, make sure it look good, and I'm like, we're good to go. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you bring was... it back to pristine original oh, yeah. condition, or oh, yeah. do, or do you, you you mod it out? Oh no, I do. I, I bring it back original. Oh original. wow! But I did change the motor. I put a bigger motor in it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was Hang curious on. about that because I, I I love classic cars, but I'm not a gearhead. And I had always thought if I bought one that was restored the proper way, is that kind of ingenuine because I didn't work on it myself. You know no, what I mean? That's not, it's worth more when it's original. Though. Yeah. It's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, if you do it custom, you put a lot more in it. You have so much in it, you never get your money back. Doesn't it blow your mind how guys used to do this? So let's, so let's say 25 years ago when they mm-hmm. would do this stuff. Now you can hop online and you'll find someone who's got that that oh, yeah. bumper or whatever, and he's in another yeah, whatever the hell. Yeah. I mean, you can do it all. But those guys used to restore and and to get a car back to its you know uh, showroom specs. condition yeah. Yeah. would take years. Take years. It take them three or four years. But yeah, then you got to do like Chip Foose, who's like a straight genius with yeah. cars. You know, he's bringing the bumpers in now. Like when he you do a Camaro or something, how the bumpers are made, he's bringing them into the car where to fit perfect. Wow. I wow. Mean, he, he just does it makes it more aerodynamic? Thing. Oh, yeah, man. It looks better, too. Yeah. You get through. What's, what's your, uh, what's your uh, prize possession in the uh, of, of the cars that you're... My 70 Wildcat convertible. Wow. That's a nice car, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had one when I was a kid and I bought for like $300. You know, I, you know, sold drink cans for like seventy five years, and then I get it from this guy, and the transmission go out, and I couldn't fix it. And uh, then some guy just kind of took it from me, gave me three hundred dollars here, take the money, and took the car. I, I didn't have no say so. Well, okay, take the car. <laughs> so when I bought this new one, I'm like, this is the car I love. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. I found a picture one. Wow. Actually, mine is red like that with is a black it? top. That's it. Came car. blue. It was blue, but I changed to red. Those cars just were. I had a, a Bonneville. It was a '68 oh, yeah. Bonneville that just was 15 miles long. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it will fly. <laughs> it will. It had what 389 in it? Uh, I think it was more. It yeah, was 389 with three deuces. How on big the is the trunk? Oh, you can put seven bodies in there. <laughs> you can't. I mean, comfortable. They're just like, like this is a trunk. Look at <laughs> you can beat them off you with that. <laughs> they don't even have to be dead. You can just. No, no. This, this yeah. thing, you know, people need a ride. Because the guy, you know, I got I got a problem with getting in the trunk. You know, if you put me in the trunk, I'm a fake. Really? Yeah, yeah. But the guy to do my body work, he's like, I'm going to get in the trunk and close it up. I want to see it. I'm like, what? You're going to get in the trunk? Yeah. We closed him up in the trunk. He's like, okay, open it. He was comfortable. Yeah. I would have died. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Like, I got a problem with bridges. I, yeah. I got to get over that. But I can't walk across a bridge. Really? If I do, you have to be on the side. You have to be on the side. I walk in the middle. But I will not look to the side. I can, go straight. What about driving across? 
I can do that. Okay, because there are people who can't oh. drive. Yeah. <laughs> I go my eyes closed. Are we at the end yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> what about air travel and stuff like that? Do you, no you claustrophobic? Okay. No, no, well, then no. that's just the one thing. Well, I think, you know, in Atlanta, they have the big bridge, and I saw a guy jump off a bridge one time. Oh. They kinda, they kinda, and he looked at us and, like, waved and leaped. Get out of here. Really? Oh, yeah. Whoa. Who was kidding? We're like, what? Did he just jump off the bridge? And we looking over the bridge. This is how stupid we are. We leave <laughs> overlooking. Now, I can do that now. No. Man, was it, over, was it over water or over? Uh... No, concrete. Oh my, anyway, oh my god. god, Bruce! I was like, whoa, whoa! And they like, "Do you see that guy?" You know, because oh we was looking, god. we was walking towards the bridge. No problem, walking across the bridge till we saw that. Yeah, like, I believe whoa. it. I believe it. We had someone on the show one time who tried to uh, off themselves off the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh my god! And they survived. Yep. And uh, then we obviously they were talking about you know suicide prevention and stuff like that. But I mean, that's oh my god! And then he said like the second he jumped, he knew he'd made a mistake. It, it, like uh, that one really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. You know they do it in Atlanta now when they build a bridge, they put it like a real tall, like a fence or yeah, yeah. okay, comes over a little bit. It's yeah. really tall. Yeah, because because yeah. people was jumping off the bridge. Yeah, yeah. I mean they have wow. patrol on, on the Golden Gate Bridge because uh, people go there so often still to this day, and that's where that guy was jumping off. Of. I mean, right. you can do something more simple if you want to kill yourself, just do it a different way. Yeah, you know. Get a gun. Yeah, <laughs> gun, so bam, second, yeah. you're done. Yeah. I, I want to die in my Bridge sleep. Bridge is complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah me yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah I just want to just, just go in my sleep. <laughs> right. Hi, God, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bruce. Uh, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Question to Bruce, your, your last show in Philly's on Saturday. You got mm-hmm. Super Bowl this weekend. Does that mean much to you? Yeah, you know, I'm going to be honest. You know, my team is Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. I like Green Bay, and I'm an Aaron Rodgers for me. He's, but they just... Not ready for that 49ers defense. That 49ers defense is awesome. This is going to be a good game. Who are you going for? I, I don't care. I, as long as it's a good game. Yeah. As long I, as I really some... think Kansas City, I think the 49ers are going to win, but I think Kansas City. Well, Andy Reid is the connection here. Oh, that's yeah. the local Obviously. connection. Yeah. yeah. But do Kansas City have all track stars on their team? Yeah. Everybody yeah. I mean, runs good. Yeah. Everybody. So it's going to be a good game. Do you bet? No, you don't. I'm not good at it. Yeah, I can't even do the lottery. I just mess up. <laughs> you try to play the three numbers, you'd be like, "What? You were close. Uh, you got 35, 36, and it's nine ninety-seven. What, what was I thinking about? You know, you know. But other people can just do it. I can't yeah. do it. I'm not good at betting. And you just to me, it's like just setting the money on and fire. You give, you, yeah, you just giving your money away. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You're giving your money away. Now, it's, it's for, the, your, for the game, is you, is it just uh, hanging home and watching TV? Yeah, I'm gonna hang home. Okay. You know, I could go to Miami, but I don't want to be down with all those people. I can't. Yeah. Bros, bros. <laughs> people you never saw before. Bros, yeah. like we cousins. Yeah. <laughs> Do I know you? Have <laughs> you ever been? You ever gone to the Super Bowl before? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's just too many people. Yeah. They're drunk. Oh, my God. Especially in the hood. Like, yeah. when they had the Super Bowl in Atlanta that time? Yeah. I knew everybody that was drunk. <laughs> they had the police car. <laughs> open the door. You know, because, like, the police car, when they put you in the car, you can't open it from the inside. Right. right? But you can open it from the outside. Yeah. Like, open the door. <laughs> <laughs> you just, and, you know, some brother run through there. Click and run. Click and run. And the police get back. What? Yeah. That's my prison. Everybody's gone because they don't get their license. They just put him in the car to hold him so yeah. he go get the other people. And he's right, yeah. the car. Oh, my God. That's so open funny. The door. <laughs> and it's going to be some dude come through there, click up, open the door, and they out running. You should just, you should go, if you're going that's and you're going to party, you should just have a little note that says open the door on yeah. your pocket. So you can just hold it up just so in case the police you do get, get pissed. Who opened the door? Like, we going to tell. Yeah. Nobody's going to tell who opened the door. Who opened the door? 
You lost your people. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, man. But it's that's how they do it in the hood, man. You know. It, it, sometimes, it, to me, honestly, for for that and for for football in general, you know, you're just not going to get better coverage than you will on a large screen TV at home <laughs> oh, with your own bathroom. Yeah, with your own bathroom. And you know, I go to the Falcons game in Atlanta, and the stadium is like I'm. I am so close. I can touch the coach. Really, the seats wow. that I get, you can, but. Getting up, going to the restroom is just a pain because the restroom straight down here around the corner yeah. in the hallway by the exit sign by the food court. You, no, <laughs> yeah. At home, is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. nobody in line. Nobody in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but the game is going to be good, though. It's going to be good. So we, we actually leave in our early Sunday morning so I can get home and get a little sleep and then I can look at the game. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about this before. Do you think the game, you think the Super Bowl should be moved to Saturday? It's always the big debate around this time of year? No, Sunday's good. Sunday, yeah. yeah. Well, with you, your well, he's schedule. off every Monday. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday's good, though. Yeah. And least Saturdays with the college games. Because like, I didn't. I honestly thought Clemson was going to be LSU. I did, but they was ready. Yeah. <laughs> they was ready. Yeah. Hey, about going to uh, games, uh, and not only that, like, uh, you know, concerts and stuff like that. Do you ever get the, uh, like, the full suite treatment since you, you know, you work in the oh, in, yeah, in industry? Yeah, yeah, it's good. What was the, what was the, the most uh, VIP night you've ever had? Well, when I went to a concert one time. I went to see Chris Brown, right? Mm-hmm. And I bought these tickets. The guy said, the food is free. You don't pay attention to that. And I get that. That's straight buffet. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> and, you know, I took my wife and her sisters, and they're, like, really big girls. I mean, like, <laughs> super big girls. Yeah. And they, they was in heaven. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, buffet. You know, you know, you know when you really enjoy yourself when you pull a chair up to the buffet? So, <laughs> and they was in hall. They were are we going to another concert? Are we going to sit in the same spot? They want to sit in that same area. All right. Free drinks, free food all night. Oof. Oh, my God. But then they get spoiled, so you take them to another Chris Brown oh, yeah. show, and you're oh, like, didn't we get the buffet last and time? And Chris Brown was great. Yeah. I mean, he was great, but I got the best sleep of my life. I <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. He's a great performer, but it's just not in my era. Right. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I, right, right. I was like, <sighs> <laughs> oh, it's over the show over? Okay, let's go. You know, when I saw him, he's amazing. He jumped across stage about 350 times. And when I saw that, I said, it's time to go to sleep. <laughs> and it wasn't me either. I see other guys just... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> wait, wake up, wake up. I said, Look, leave me alone. Do your thing. Who's who's your in concert? Who's uh Well you know, I'm old school, so James Brown. You well, know, okay. I'm a James Brown fanatic. You right. know, when it comes to James, I can watch him anytime. Do you ever see him in concert? Yes, I went to his funeral. Oh, did so you? Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah, I went to his funeral. Yeah. Wow. When yeah. they eventually buried, buried him. Oh yeah. Was on after ice after, for like after a three year. ceremonies, he went to DC, then New York. Then he went back to Augusta. So I went to Augusta, Georgia to see him. He was in the casket, laid across, and he was just chilling. Like, yeah. You know, he just like he was just chilling. You know? <laughs> then everybody walked in Boosie Collins and Hammer and Michael Jackson. Boosie Collins, wow. Michael Jackson's like, hi, Bruce, how are you doing? You know, he's a little bitty dude. <laughs> yeah. But he was cool. He was cool. Wait, wow. you, knew, you knew Michael? I didn't know him. Okay. But he knew me. Like, wow. Like, hi, Bruce. And then he came out and he danced. Because they did a concert at his funeral. Yeah. 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 Everybody was dancing and everything. Wow. He was 20,000 people there. So. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's him. Oh, my God. We have an actual picture of James yeah. Brown in the coffin with Michael Jackson standing there and some girl with an X on her lips. I you don't know, know what that is. But have right. you ever seen a person in a casket and the casket is too small? And they, like, their shoulders are Yeah, they cram them in there. Yeah. Why do they do that? Because they didn't buy a wider casket. <laughs> <laughs> they should have bought a wider casket. You know the funny thing like here, this. though, in this picture that they had up? Uh, 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 Michael looks like the dead one. He uh, does. Yeah, yeah. He does. He's weird. Michael Jackson. He's weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
They're very nice, but weird. Yeah, well, yeah. Did and you then, did you see Leaving Neverland? And, yes. And then he had the nation of Islam, like the Muslims doing security. Yeah. You couldn't walk to him. Ugh. Right, right. I mean, it was like, and when I'm saying, Brother Bruce, Michael Jackson would like to see you. And I'm like, say me? He wants to see me? Because <laughs> I was scared to walk to him. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. But he was cool, though. He was really wow. cool. Wow, man. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, we got to wrap, but we want to okay. thank you for being here, Bruce. So well, thank you. Bruce Bruce is going to be at Punchline uh, this weekend. You can catch him tonight at 8, uh, and then the shows uh, tomorrow and Saturday are at 7.30 and 10.15. You can get the tickets uh, through punchlinephilly.com, so don't miss the show while you're here. And may I say, you smell lovely, too. Thank Whatever you. scent you got on this way. It sounds I mean, like it smells I really nice. took a good shower. You know <laughs> the moment he walked in, I'm like, the good one. Ooh. Yeah. You know, nice women like this. Her eyebrow went up like, hey. hey. <laughs> Big daddy. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. Bruce Bruce, guys. Yeah. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. What's new? Glad you asked. Green Day. Sergio Simpson. Papa Roach. New music. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. There is a new Daily Rush video for you to consume. It is called Casey's Canadian Coin Freakout. <laughs> The description says Casey had a bad day and was ready to shove a loony and a toonie up a Mountie's ass. Uh, it is now available at PrestonAndSteve.com, sponsored by Punchline Philly Comedy Club Restaurant and Bar. I don't remember loony and a toonie. Uh, well, yeah, well, they talk about their currency, but I would say this. I I, uh, I think I remember going on... Um, you had had something, you were reacting to something that had happened earlier and you took your revenge out. Yeah, yeah, it was so, uh, yeah. the the frame uh, exactly. issue. They lost right. the uh, the wristband from the frame, and then Casey didn't complain about that. But <laughs> when he got a Canadian quarter, <laughs> yo, hell hath no fury. If it was a Canadian nickel or dime, I probably would have let it go. But yeah. a quarter, yeah, that's that's twenty five cents, guys. Yeah. I got you, man. So <laughs> you can you can watch the video now at uh, pressandsteve dot com. All right, let's do the bizarre five. No. WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's Bizarre Final. And it is brought to you by Jack Frost and Big Boulder Ski Areas. JFPV is open for a winter full of snow and fun. Uh, Save big when you purchase lift tickets in advance at JFPV.com. JFPV, where the snow comes first. This is pretty wild, man. Police are warning people in Pittsburgh to keep their doors shut and call police if they hear the sound of a baby crying and children calling for help outside of their homes. Oh, boy. At least four people have reported hearing the strange noises outside of their homes. Each incident took place on the south side of the city and was reported predominantly by college students, but investigating police have been unable to find the source of the sounds. (laughs) Officers have responded to each call. In each case, officers did not hear the sound or locate the source of the sound. That's out of a horror movie. The four reports made so far all noted that it was a recording of babies crying and children calling out for help. Ooh, that's very, very strange. A woman was stopped at a busy Orange County intersection when she said a man started pulling on her car door trying to climb inside. Police said I they, want to kiss you. Police <laughs> said they arrested William... Mr. Namath? William Baston, oh. a registered sex offender after the incident. An investigator said that Baston told them 
that Google told him that it was his day and he could have anything he wanted without paying for it. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah well, they're a big you. company. Mm-hmm. so nice. Uh, the woman said he came to my door and just started flailing his arms like, I'm going to get into your car no matter what. And I'm like, oh, no, you're not. Google! Baston was released on bond after the intersection incident, only to be arrested again on Tuesday. Police said that he was acting erratically and screaming at employees at Walmart. That's it. I'm changing search engines. He has, <laughs> he has a history of at least 17 arrests. <laughs> For sex offenses, uh, drug violations. Goodbye, Google. Hello, Bing. Thefts as well. Dutch police arrested a 34-year-old man in Amsterdam after he attended a concert and rock fans blocked him from leaving. Police found the man had 30 cell phones in his shorts. And he said that uh, they said that he's believed to be in a roving gang of thieves. Call my pants, please. Uh, it's not known if the man had accomplices who, or uh, I'm sorry, who also attended the Sum 41 concert. So they were plucking the he's plucking the cell phones out of everybody. He's going through the crowd. A total of 50 phones were reported in his there. shorts. That's a lot. Wow. Yep, but they snagged him. Federal authorities say a Polish woman tried to sneak into the U.S. through a library on the Vermont Quebec line. Huh? Yeah. There's there's this. A library sits across the... Uh, the a uh, library. Literally, the line runs through the library. Huh. Between Canada and the United States. So you have to go to a checkpoint every time you're going into, like, M and above? Uh, it happened last week at the Haskell Free Library in Derby Line. Uh, the international border runs through the library. Border Patrol says that on Saturday, uh, Julita Jaca was uh, dropped off by a car in Stansted, Quebec, and then walked through the library to the Vermont side and tried to get in a cab. Wait, ma'am, you, you left your Canadian quarter. Uh, Jaka is accused of illegally entering the U.S. and also the uh, the government plans to deport her. Uh, they all they have to do is walk her back across the... I, I know, right? That's put her on the other side do. of the library. Uh, they say she also tried to enter the U.S. on Friday at Niagara Falls, but was turned away there. There was a show a few years ago about uh, borders and how they were drawn, and one of them involved borders in the northern, you know, in Canada. Yeah. And uh, in Vermont and specifically. And it's interesting to see, like, there are these little bumps that come down from time to time. And where they bisect. And where they bisect yeah. and why there's a reason for it. And it's a... Uh, I love stuff like that. I'm a nerd, but I love it. Yeah. Well, she tried to make it happen, and no, no dice. All right, uh, firefighters in Florida said a hazmat team responded to a gas station where a man, listen to this, filling up his boat confused a fishing pole holder for the gas tank. (laughs) So he was just pouring gas into his... The floor of his boat. The fire rescue said the customer at 7-Eleven in Orlando was <laughs> attending to fill up his 18-foot boat Monday when he accidentally <laughs> pumped 30 gallons of gas directly into the cockpit. <laughs> fire rescue it said... It does sort of look like it. The man pumped about $60 worth of fuel into the cockpit <laughs> and then put another $40 of gas into the actual gas tank. Uh, the hazmat team was able to siphon most of the gas out of the boat and no injuries or evacuations were reported <laughs> at the station. And we'll do one more uh, story, and then we will wrap it up. Let's end with ah, this one. Yeah. Uh, the replica of an Irish castle in Texas has become the unlikely home of a group of llamas. The castle, appropriately dubbed Shangri-Lama, Shangri-Lama. <laughs> is a replica of Waterford mm-hmm. Castle situated near the south coast of Ireland. The Shangri-Lama replica is located about 40 minutes outside of Dallas and is an ideal interactive experience for anyone who likes the South American animals or Irish castles. 
Guests can meet, photograph, and learn about llamas by partaking in llama walks, llama lessons, and llama parties. It's the realization of a dream. Yeah. Living in a castle, the llamas at Shangri-Lama don't have ordinary names. Many of them My are midi- Seamus and the other llamas are named Craig and O'Halloran. <laughs> We're all here to, for your pleasure. We're soft and like to be pet. Occasionally, we'll spit in your face. Yeah. Uh, many of them actually are medieval-infused pun names like King Dalai Lama, ah. Prince Barack Lama, <laughs> and Lance Olama. Uh, they are available for a wide range of parties and events, including weddings, where a llama can walk the bride or groom down the aisle. That's beautiful. And mm-hmm. you can hunt them, right? No. Uh, they will also guide guests on special llama walks through the huge grounds of the reconstructed castle. Is there a Lorenzo Lama, sir? Yeah, you would yeah, hope. Right? Why not? There's got to be a Lorenzo Lama there. All right, and that is what I have in the bizarre file for you right now. Casey's giving me something to give away. What do I got here? Jim Gaffigan tickets. Oh, man. nice. Yeah, Jim is going to be in town not till October. It's on the twenty fourth. It's a Saturday, and he'll be at the Met, and it's a live taping of his next special. That's kind of interesting. There are pre sales going on today. You can get the information at wmmr.com. The official on sale is tomorrow at ten a.m. Caller number 18. Tickets are yours, 215-263-WMMR. While you're calling in, we'll take a break. Coming back in a moment, we'll test your knowledge of the program with a lesson, question, and more when we get back. Stay with us. Love Preston and Steve and WMMR? Check out WMMR.com for more of everything that rocks. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Do want to remind you, Marissa Magnata out tomorrow night wants to see you present and accounted for at Piccadilly Inn in Chamon, New Jersey. Is that the proper way to say it? I've always said Chamon. Chamon. I mean, just Michael has made me yeah. say it that way. <laughs> Chamon. Chamon. Uh, Chamon. Yeah, Chamon. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, Marissa will be there. Uh, it's a calendar. Shamong. It's a calendar raid. So uh, make sure you come and see. Also, Dominique and Nicole who will be joining. There's going to be girls there? For, yeah. Mm-hmm. For our totally office calendar. And you can get the calendars for free. Uh, and, of course, they've got amazing food. Their chicken wings are second to none at Piccolo. Really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Really good food, especially if you're in the mood for this kind of fare. Yep. And Marissa throws a great party. She does. So five to seven. That is. Lily, I love that clip. Harvey Corbin. The great Harvey Corbin. Uh, so we're going to do today's lesson question, and we're going to give away a $50 Lee's Hoagie House uh, gift certificate. Uh, the question we're going to go with this morning is, after Welcome to Mooseport, what was Gene Hackman's final movie in which he co-starred with Ian McKellen? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> it's one that, that it's the movie was real, but we made up the fact that uh, Gene Hackman was in it. So, Welcome to Mooseport. After Welcome to Mooseport, what was Gene Hackman's final movie in which he co-starred with Ian McKellen? Not really. 215-263-WMMR. It's from early this morning. It's not a Lord of the Rings answer either. I know we've done a couple Lord of the Rings. Yes. Uh, So we're going to do the trash while you're calling in. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. All right. And it is brought to you by Major League Wrestling. Major League Wrestling presents Fightland Saturday night, February 1st. At the 2300 Arena in South Philadelphia. You can get your tickets today at MLWGo. 
Com. What's going on this morning, Steve? Well, Antonio Banderas announcing he is producing a Broadway version of a chorus line in Spanish. Banderas says the new version will pulse with Latin music and will be titled El Chorus Lineito. Hey! Dwayne Chapman, a.k.a. Dog the Bounty Hunter, raising eyebrows by proposing to his recently, recently deceased wife's best friend, Moon Angel, on the Dr. Oz show. Ever the romantic, Dog wrote the proposal into the still freshly shoveled dirt on top of Beth Chapman's funeral plot. Oh, my God. And finally, Sean Weiss, you talked about this earlier, Preston, who played Goldberg. And the Mighty Ducks arrested on Sunday committing a home burglary while strung out on drugs. Weiss says the incident was a misunderstanding. And he was researching a new script he's writing called The Meth Addicted Mallards. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's your Hollywood trash. All right. Lee, la, 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 let's see. Lee, 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 no Lee, doing a Lee's Hoggy House. Lee, 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 we're going to the phones. <laughs> Hi, Rick, you're on the air. Good morning. How are we doing today, Preston? Good, Rick. All right, so after Welcome to Mooseport, what was Gene Hackman's final movie in which he starred with Ian McKellen? I believe it was Monster Truck. Monster yeah! Truck, yes. Hang on, bud. You see, there's actually a monster inside the truck. We're going to set you up, Rick, with a $50 Lee's Hoagie House gift certificate. Lee's Hoagie House is now accepting party orders for Sunday. Uh, contact your local Lee's now and get the best hoagies, cheesesteaks, and wraps around for the game. Lee's Hoagie House. It's the same as it ever was. You can visit leeshoagiehouse.com. That Music. would be for the big game, Preston. That's the one. Music news. Here we go. Now, Preston and Steve's Music News on 93.3. WMMR. Brought to you this morning by Major League Wrestling. Major League Wrestling presents Frightland Saturday night, February 1st. That's this Saturday. At the 2300 Arena in South Philadelphia, you can get your tickets today at MLWGo.com. Uh, an announcement came down. It was late yesterday during the show. We didn't get a chance to get to it, but My Chemical Romance will tour North America for the first time in nine years this fall. Wow. Uh, the arena trek will launch on September 9th in Detroit, uh, but they will be here in Philadelphia September 18th at the Wells Fargo Center. Facing the Black Parade. That's the one. Welcome to the Black Parade. You are correct. So, uh Tickets for all dates will go on sale tomorrow at noon, local time, at Ticketmaster.com. More information is available on the band's official website. They split up in 2013, but last fall, rumors began to circulate that the band was getting back together. And that was confirmed with a December show in Los Angeles, followed by the announcement of spring and summer dates in Australia, New Zealand, and Europe. And they are here in the U.S. touring. So, September 18th at the Wells Fargo Center. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Pearl Jam has debuted a second music video for the band's new single, Dance of the Clairvoyance, which we just played a little while ago. After premiering the first clip last week, uh, subtitled Mach 1, the, yeah. group, the group has now shared a second one, subtitled Mach 2. Yeah. While the first clip was almost solely composed of images of global weather environments, the new clip continues with those images while adding shots of the band performing the song. Dance of the Clairvoyance is the first single from their new album. It's their 11th, by the way, called Gigaton. 
And that's due out on March 27th. What if they just changed course completely and just had wet, like shots of girls in white t-shirts? Be awesome, <laughs> wouldn't it be? Just <laughs> they're entirely yeah. environmentally okay. We're going to make a statement, and the next one is the most obscene <laughs> wet t-shirt concept. They should do that. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne stars in a new ad produced by PETA. Mm, and, I love PETA. No, people for the ethical treatment oh. of animals. In which he warns against declawing cats, showing off the bloody stumps of his fingers uh, to make oh. his point as sharply as possible. Now, it's a doctored photo of his hand yeah. with the, uh, the knuckles. Because that'd be too far to go to make a point. To yeah. actually, yeah, cut his fingers <laughs> off. Ozzy, who nearly lost some fingers due to an infection in late 2018, said in the statement, amputating a cat's toes has twisted him wrong. Uh, if your couch is more important to you than your cat's health and happiness... You don't deserve to have an animal. Get cats a scratching post. Don't mutilate them for life. Wow. And I'm not sure why he decided to um, uh, participate in this. And um, He's an animal lover. They yeah, have pets. No, he's making a good point. This but... is something I struggled with for a little while with my cats and whether or not to do it because there are, which I didn't know. I didn't know it was. How invasive it is. Well, that it was seen this way. And then uh, the vet that we went to. Um, he explained it. He's a big Aussie fan. No, but he explained it to me, and, and he was okay with it. And he, he said that the, the, with the lasers and stuff like that, that it's different. I ended up not doing it because, of course, I was so, so torn. And then I just throw in the towel and say, keep your nails. Scratch yeah. up everything in my house. Right, <laughs> but right. it, was, it was difficult. Uh, Ozzy, who recently revealed that he's been diagnosed with a form of Parkinson's disease, of course, will release his new album, Ordinary Man, on February 21st. Oh, this is a make a point, so I cut my own fingers off. Uh, Metallica is renewing its Scholars Initiative program for a second year and expanding it from 10 to 15 schools following a successful inaugural year. That resulted in job placement rates exceeding 90%. They're doing a, a robust program at Rydell High? Uh, the initiative at Rydell, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the initiative was launched in 2019 when Metallica's All Within My Hands Foundation partnered with the American Association of Community Colleges to provide financial assistance to enhance career and technical education programs. Ten colleges across the country were selected to receive $100,000 to support more than 1,000 students. Wow. Training to enter the American workforce. Uh, final report from all 10 schools, and there are more than 700 first-wave Metallica scholars, as the students were called, revealed an overall 80 to 90% program completion rate, 95% job uh, placement for those scholars who completed their certifications and studies. So they continue to do great work. Uh, the second year will add five more community colleges. The program will also receive matching grants from new uh, partner supplementing all within my hands, cumulative cumulative $1.5 million contribution. Marilyn Manson's scene in the premiere uh, season of The New Pope is now online. I've just seen a, a screen, a screen capture yeah. of it, and it looks weird. Uh, but uh, Manson appears opposite John Malkovich, who plays the title role and mistakes uh, Malkovich's pope. For a different one before suggesting that the new pope visit his predecessor who is in a coma. Uh, the scene is filled with irony given that Manson has clashed with organized religion throughout his career. The new pope is a sequel series to The Young Pope and airs Monday nights on HBO. By and then there's My Two Popes. Yeah. Which is a sitcom. Yeah, they went with the humor. Yeah, yeah which one. is a little a young girl being raised by two popes who are her fathers. Yeah, you yeah. can count on um, me. Yeah. My two popes. Yeah. Uh, and then right. perfect popes. 
One more story. Daryl Hall and John Oates are prepping their first new album in 14 years. Wow. Although a constant presence on the concert circuit, Hall and Oates haven't recorded together since their 2006 holiday collection, Home for Christmas. I love Hall and Oates. Uh, the pair's last all-original set was 2003's Do It For Love. Hall and Oates will be back on the road this spring and summer. With Squeeze and special guest KT Tunstall, and they're doing the big Hoagie Fest thingy. I'm going to that. Um, I went, Nick. The uh, they, they took a break last year. I okay. went the year before, and uh, it was fantastic. I'm psyched that it's a man this summer because I love the man, and um, I'm, I'm psyched to see the Hooters. You yeah, know, what, what an awesome build with Squeeze and, and Cool in the Gang. I'm Cool I, in the Gang and Cool in the Gang. Come on, Joanna and Blues Traveler and Blues Traveler. So a lot of good stuff. Daryl spoke about the project that's now in its earliest stages, telling Rolling Stone, uh, I'm in the process right now of coming up with some ideas. I've been working with some people on them right now. I don't want to talk about yet. I've been said, working with John on some new music, and it's promising. Uh, but he said, he said, John and I don't write together very much. Never did, really. He said, we went separate ways creatively. We needed to have that space apart in that respect, even though we never stopped playing together. But now it just feels like, I don't know how to describe it. He said, when it feels right, it feels right. So they never really worked together on it. Daryl Hall writes the majority of the stuff. However, in the the music department, uh, John, you know, contributes as well. And then John has some great songs. So whatever it is, it's working. Yeah. Uh, So they're going to work on a new album. And there you go. That's what I have for you in music news. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back in a moment and uh, get the letter of the day for the word of the week. Not before I give this away, though, I have free registration for you and a guest to join Nick McElwain for the Cupid's Undie Run. And it's Saturday, February 8th, so next week, and it'll be at noon at World Cafe Live, 21 and over, brief run and big party for a good cause. Uh, So we'll take caller number 15 at 215-263-WMMR. By the way, you can join Team WMMR. Use promo code WMMR20 to save 20% off registration at cupids.org. Proceeds benefit research to find a cure for NF, a genetic disorder that affects 1 in 3,000 births. So caller 15, going to set you up. Take a break and be right back. Marissa Magnata and Calendar Girls Dominique and Nicole Friday from 5 to 7 for a Preston and Steve's Totally Office Calendar 2020 raid at the Piccadilly Inn, 866 US 206 in Shemang, New Jersey. Order takeout for the big game from the Piccadilly Inn before Friday and get an order of buffalo mac and cheese free. 93.3 WMMR, everything and everywhere that rocks. It has been. We've had a lot of cool people in here today. And uh, we're not done yet. We have a couple more things to do before we wrap for the day. Uh, A few reminders and so on. Uh, But you know what? I do want to start by thanking our guests on the show. Uh, We started with one of our absolute favorites, composer Michael Giacchino. Calling us live from London. What a nice guy. Preparing for, he's there for the BAFTA Awards, which are the Oscars of uh, England. Yes. And he is he's up for an award for Jojo Rabbit, which he did the, uh, he composed the, the music for. So, took some time to call the, the lowly little Preston and Steve show while he's hobnobbing, oh, with Paul McCartney <laughs> and a few other people around that area. I, I guess he still labors under the misconception that we're legitimate. Ah, maybe. Yeah. 
Uh, but he was awesome. It's great to talk to him. Uh, and also, just as awesome, Chris Hardwick. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Hardwick was in the studio. He is performing at Helium Comedy Club tonight at 8 o'clock, Friday, 7.30 and 10, the Saturday at 10 because the 7.30 show is sold out. I'm sure the other ones will probably sell out, too. You can go to heliumcomedy.com. Listen for a future podcast by Chris Hardwick featuring Michael Giacchino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're going to connect, and uh, hopefully Michael will be able to be on with Chris in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, he's been wanting to get him on, yeah. and we're like, we know him. Yeah. So we just uh, we traded information. Yeah, listen, it's, it's what you do. You use your friends to your advantage. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and super nice guy, Bruce Bruce, was here yeah, this morning. Great guy. He'll be at Punchline Philly tonight, 8 o'clock, Friday and Saturday, 7.30 and 10.15. So you can get those tickets through punchlinephilly.com. So a uh, chock-full program. And we had, some, chock. we had something else planned, and it's it's not going to happen. Oh, so, no. but, but maybe tomorrow we'll get to do Or oh, maybe later, maybe later today. On today. I don't know. We'll see. But we'll, involve Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> Very well might. Annabelle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we know where he is right now? Oh, he might be driving in right now. I no, don't. isn't he flying his plane? No, no, that's that. no, that's Saturday. That's the oh, gun Saturday? range. Getting yeah. his yeah. Oh, he's getting his gun. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a gun range slash airport. Yeah. By All the right. way, if we all end up dead. Yeah, you'll know. <laughs> and uh, the belt. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me also... <laughs> He is going to kill us if you keep playing that clip. <laughs> uh, I also want to mention that uh, Marissa is out tomorrow night. Uh, she'll be at Piccalilli in Piccalilli. And, uh, lily, lily, sh- lily legs, lily, really. Uh, Shimong, New Jersey. Uh, Dominique and Nicole will be there for a calendar raid, and that's a five to seven. So tomorrow, I have no idea if. Annabelle will be showing up or not, but <laughs> not a calendar. lot of uh, calendar raids on the calendar right now. So uh, go to this one if you want one. It's yeah. free. You know, all I have to do is show up. And uh, Marissa, as we've said many times, is a great host. So go get a free calendar. Absolutely. All right, we need to do the letter of the day. Here we go. Preston and Steve on ninety WMMR. Now the daily letter. And the Preston and Steve show is brought to you today by the letter <laughs> J, as in ginger. All right. No, <laughs> ginger. Yeah. Uh, J as in jealous. All right. So we have a cardboard classic. Ski and stay package at Split Rock Resort, including two nights hotel on March 5th and 6th, plus a pair of passes for both nights for H2O Water Park Bowling and the movie theater there. Sounds Uh, like fun. It does. Uh, (laughs) Split Rock Resort located between... (laughs) Between... Just, just keep it going. Between Jack Frost and Big Boulder Ski Area is just a quick drive away in the Poconos. I also want to thank our sponsors... Uh, the Preston and Steve Show has been brought to you today by HERS, the official snack food of the Preston and Steve Show, and also Drexel University's Test Drive. February 10th through the 14th, you can visit drexel.edu slash test drive. Uh, tomorrow on the program, we've got a few go- cool things going on in our studio. AJ uh, Machalka and Brett Dyer, who are both on the ABC show Schooled, Will be in the studio. They're awesome. You yeah. know her from the Goldbergs, where she she played Laney on the Goldbergs, and she's on Schooled as well. Yeah, and he's he's sort of the love interest teacher on Schooled. He's very funny. So they will be here as well as our friend Joe Mattery stopping by. So it'll be fun wrapping up the week with you tomorrow. That's it. We are done. Rage on. Have a great day and enjoy your time with Pierre when he is in next. We'll be, see you tomorrow. The Preston and Steve love you, hate you line. I'm doing my laundry today, and what's this hiding in my pillowcase? A pair of panties? 
Oh my God, go figure. Next message. I gotta give a shout out and two thumbs up to my main man, Steve, who gave up chewing tobacco. And we're gonna give him a big... Next message. To all you would-be road warriors out there, driving up on my ass doesn't make the guy in front of me go any faster, so calm your... The Preston and Steve Love You, Hate You line. Call 484-434-1333. MMR rocks. Brought to you by DellToyota.com and DellChevrolet.com. Jack, sell them for less.